Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. <laughs> Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is my co-host, La Urena. How are things today, Urena? Uh, I'm stoked to be wrapping this up and a little excited to to see part six because uh, if people have stuck with us this week alone, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, this is your Friday episode of the Screen series, <laughs> and that's what we're talking uh. about. Yeah, we're going to finish out the with the Scream uh, 4 and 5 today. But first, let's attack some bees. Whoa, what is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the bees. Not the bees. Ah! I don't have my eyes. Oh, I, I love that <laughs> little bit. So this episode, we are discussing Tragedy Girls from 2017 uh, with tagline, Friends Who Slay Together, Stay Together. Oh, my God. <laughs> Directed by Tyler McIntyre. Uh, written by Chris Lee Hill, Tyler McIntyre, and Justin Olson. Principal players for this one, we got Brianna Hildebrand playing Sadie Cunningham, who is the final girl slash slasher of this movie. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, she was, uh, uh, I, th- I believe the character's name is Negasonic Teenage Warhead that she plays in the Deadpool movies. Okay. Um, and she was also in the Lucifer TV series. Uh, Jamie Kennedy was also in that that TV series. So a little bit of a crossover there, but there's more than that uh, here in a second. Uh, we have Alexandra Ship, who plays Michaela Hooper, who is also a final girl slash slasher of the movie. Uh, she was in uh, X-Men Apocalypse and X-Men Dark Phoenix playing the young Storm in those movies. Uh, was in Straight Outta Compton uh, with uh, uh, O'Shea that yep. we talked about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was in Love, Simon. 
And we have Kevin Duran playing Lowell Ro- the, or the Rosedale Ripper, who is the technical slasher of the movie, but he's also the mentor to the two girls, in particular, uh, Michaela. And rounding out the cast, or the main cast, is Jack Quaid playing Jordan Welch, who is the naive simp that is uh, pining after Sadie. And uh, Jack will make an appearance again in another Scream movie that we're discussing. So... Um, he goes from the uh, the you know do gooder boyfriend in this one to uh, the do badder boyfriend in the in Scream Five. So, uh, but he's obviously in uh, the Boys. That's what a lot of people know him from now. Um, and he was in Batman: The Long Halloween, which means that he was he's acted uh, opposite Jensen Ackles at least twice now. So that's interesting. Batman: The Long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Was that any good? It's, uh, it, it's good. Uh, the voice acting's a little stiff, I, I feel like, and, I, and but I don't feel like that's the actor's fault. So I think that whenever the they were directing it, they it was it's it's a little I don't know. It, instead of it feeling natural, it's more like you know you hear somebody talk, they stop what they're saying, the other person you know says what they're saying. You know, there's no real I mean like natural back and forth. But yeah. Uh, the story itself's great. I mean, it's one of the best Batman stories that's came out. So um, it was a good one for Jensen to actually do his Batman voice on if he was going to become Batman at any point. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going back to that. Uh, synopsis. Two high school besties decide that the best way to get internet clout is to become serial killers and milk the public for sympathy as the tragic survivors. Uh, inspired by a local slasher, the two girls go on a killing spree, terrorizing their local community. Uh, machetes slash, faces get cut up by cho- uh, shop table saws, and Craig Robinson shows us all why spotters are so important in the gym. <laughs> um, that oh man, that that is one of the best kills in some of the movies we've been watching. Uh, when he gets taken out. Um, has this big, like, 100-pound weight yeah. like, uh, dropped straight on his head, and it, like, chops his scalp off. Oh, whew, it's a good one. Fucking awesome. Uh, body, count, body count in this one, we're not going to surpass in any of the movies that we're covering this Oh, season. my God. Uh, 133 on screen and 148 total in the movie. How in the fuck? Wait, you're going to explain this, aren't you? Yes. Okay. So, four unarmed people are killed by Lowell off-screen, but it's mentioned, so that's part of the 148. Uh, Craig Thompson had part of his face split in half after being struck in the head by Lowell with a machete and then suffocated by Sadie with a rag. Uh, At least five cats and five dogs are dissolved by Sadie and Michaela in acid off-screen, but they mention it. Nope. Yep. Uh, Sadie's cat gets dissolved by Sadie and Michaela in acid off-screen, and it's mentioned. That's fucked up. Uh, well, they're fucked up girls. We'll get to that. Uh, Toby Mitchell gets his legs broken after Sadie and Michaela crashed his motorcycle. He's the ex to to Michaela. Okay. He's uh, stabbed three times in the chest by Sadie and in the heart by Michaela. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Sylvia Seal Stanton has the top of her head cut in half after having her leg wrapped in a chain by Sadie and Michaela. They basically, uh, it's in shop class, and they've got like these semi-cool-looking mask on, and they, uh, and she recognizes instantly who Michaela is because of her shoes, and so that blows her cover regardless of the mask, and then they just wrap a chain around her foot, and she just happens to swing into the table saw, and that's the end of that. Oh, my God. Uh, Albert Big Al Hill, who's played by 
uh, Craig Robinson is uh, stabbed in the chest by Sadie, bludgeoned by Michaela with a weight, and then scalped by Sadie with a bench press. Uh, Mayor Campbell is impaled through the mouth by Lowell with a metal flagpole. Uh, and that looks the way that they stage that scene looks like the uh, cover. If you've ever seen it for, uh, uh, I believe it's cannibal Holocaust um, where the woman's like in, impaled on a spike or whatever from like head to anus or what mouth Ooh. to anus. So yeah, it looked like that in the movie. Um, let's see. Ms. Welch is strangled to death from behind by Sadie and Michaela before the movie causing her to crash her car. Uh, that's Jack Quaid's mom. That sets up a lot of stuff in the movie. And then Lowell Arson uh, Lehman, uh, the Rosedale Ripper, is shot in the chest by Michaela, causing him to fall to his death off a rafter. And then Jordan Welch, or uh, Jack Quaid, is pushed off a rafter with a rope tied around his neck by Sadie, hanging him. And then 124 students and teachers in the school are burned alive whenever they basically set fire to the school uh, gym when they're having some kind of dance and then they bolt the door shut so that they can't get out. So that's where you get all the kills from. Okay, I was going to say, is this one of those like schools out in the east where everything is indoors and I'm like, can't even fathom a school like that because I'm like, everything is outdoors in California? Uh, It's... It's like Middletown, USA. Okay. In fact, I've got some trivia about that. They 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 meant for it to be like you know, kind of like the uh, the real life Riverdale, as it oh. were. They based it upon that sort of stuff. So. Okay. Um, quotes from the movie is uh, Sadie Cunningham: "To make an omelet, you have to kill some ex boyfriends." Okay. Jordan. Uh, Jordan Welch, if Sadie needs like an alibi or something, just get her out of a jam. Just tell her she can say that she was watching some Dario Argento movie, okay? And then Michaela's like, Dario DiGiorno? And then Jordan's like, Dario Argento? And then she's like, <laughs> Dario Arpeggio? And she's like, Mario Wario. That's that, and that's what she goes with. So um, poor Dario Argento. Uh, trivia. When Jordan and his dad are in the living room, uh, his dad falls asleep with the TV on. A famous movie line is heard. They're coming to get you, Barbara, from Night of the Living Dead. Of course. Thrown well, in every movie. Yep. Uh, the last names of both the main girls are the last names of famous horror directors. Uh, uh, Brianna Hildebrand's character's last name is inspired by Sean Cunningham from Friday the 13th. And then Alexandra Ship's character's last name is inspired by Toby Hooper from Texas Chainsaw. Um Seal's uh, Little Free Library in the movie is modeled after the Myers House from Halloween, 1978. Uh, the aluminum foil uh, stars at the prom are a reference to Carrie, and then, of course, they go to set fire to the school, oh, so yeah. it catches that reference. Uh, Archie Comics and Riverdale were the source of inspiration for the town of Rosedale. Uh, Craig is purposely dressed to look like Archie, and then Sadie and Michaela are both cheerleaders in the movie, like Betty and Veronica. As one and, blonde and uh, one brunette? Uh, yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, well, one's blonde in the sense that she's got her hair dyed like multiple colors, but blonde is one of them. Okay. So it, it works. Uh, and uh, the popular teen hangout is the juice bar, which is a contemporary version of a malt shop. So, oh my God. They kind of worked that in. Uh, the Sweetheart's Bridge from the opening was a practical location suggested to the filmmakers by the locals. The sequence was originally scripted to take place at Lover's Lane. Uh, the bridge was established in 1996, which is the same year that Scream came out, uh, which was a major influence on this film, according to the directors. 
um, another tie-in there. And the geographical location, Rosedale, is left purposefully ambiguous to make it feel like any town USA, even Lowell's driver's license, doesn't have a state listed. <laughs> any town USA. Uh, I love it. Uh, and then the creepy white mask on the two girls' faces and the crosses on the eyes are an obvious tribute to Jean Roland's uh, iconic mask girls. And I looked that up, and it is pretty similar to that. Uh, so basically the gist of this movie, uh, to sum it up is that the, the two girls, uh, are, they, they've been, uh, they're, they're kind of like Mickey was and like scream too. They've been psychopaths since they were kids. Yeah. Um, and they decide that they're going to use the internet to, uh, to their advantage in the sense that now that social media has gotten to the point where influencers are a thing, they can stage these, uh, deaths of like you know, people close to them and then they can come in there and like film videos about it and then get like people to like, you know, give them a bunch of likes and that sort of thing because they feel sympathetic toward their, you know, plot. So basically they're killing the people and then milking the the social media off of it. I've survived. Yeah, that's sort. it's exactly what it is. Um, Biggest issue with this movie is the fact that, well, it's it's one of those things where the girls do not get their comeuppance at the end of the movie. They do not. Like, they they get by with everything. Everybody buys that they're the tragic survivors of, the you know, all these killings. Uh, there's this horrible scene at the end of the movie where Jack Quaid's dad, who's already went through the loss of his wife, he's the sheriff of the town, and he loses his son not once but twice in the movie. His son gets, like, uh, attacked by the... Uh, the Rosedale Ripper, but he survives because there's a little turn in the middle of the movie where Sadie's kind of looks like she might come back from the dark side. But then at the end of the movie, her Michaela convinces her that no, their destiny is to be serial killers. So uh, that's whenever she hangs, um, you know, Jack Quaid's character. And then whenever that sheriff uh, like just breaks down at the end of the movie, him plus the fact that the girls are just smirking about what they got killing all these kids in this gym, like it's it's I mean you're like oh my god I just wish the two of you would have gotten taken out by somebody yeah you know, it's it's one of those things, um, so it's 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 a rough ending to the movie like I mean and the movie's comedic in a lot of the parts so it's one of those things where it's so and I've seen people make this comment and I have to agree with it. It, it's got like this comedy horror thing going through most of the movie. And then the ending is so mean that it just like leaves a bad taste in your mouth. It's the bad <laughs> problem with the ending. Probably did its job. It did what it likely intended to do. Oh yeah. You a hundred percent. Like everybody was bringing that up. It's like, well, I, I hated these characters and it's like, you were supposed to. I yeah. mean, like even the how they go about getting clout, like during the movie where they intentionally put themselves in front of other students and film it and, you know, are trying to grief counsel these other students, even though they're the ones behind the kills. It's like, oh, you, you could see somebody in real life pulling this shit off, like sadly is the, the way that social media has gotten. Yeah, that's, ugh. yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny because I feel like it ties into the the next screen movie we're getting ready to discuss because of the the motive for the main character in that movie yeah. with the internet, and it was inspired by Scream, so there's that connection. And another funny thing is is that Sadie's dad in the movie, she's kind of like the trailer trash girl of the two. Michaela's parents are like you know uh, medium to or middle class to upper middle class. So I mean she's got real nice home, but like Sadie lives in the trailer, and her dad looks like an uh, like uh, looks like a dad bod chubby <laughs> um, uh, John Winchester. Oh or, okay, so he's just my type. Yeah. Is what you're saying? 
Yeah, yeah, he looks like your version of uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Like that, he he's off-brand, but he's got the beer gut and you know a little bit beefy. And I'm like, I think think Urania might like this version of John Winchester. Yeah, when you when you get your daddy Winchester off of Wish, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what it amounts to. Um, and as far as the movie goes, Nick Cage rating, I'm gonna give it Peggy Stu got married. Like. <laughs> It's an entertaining film, good, I mean, filmed well, performances are great across the board, but in that movie, you can't stand Nicolas Cage because he plays this nasally, like, whiny character, Ugh. and I can't stand the main characters of this movie, so that's why I gave it Peggy Sue Got Married. <laughs> I have to say, bringing up Nick Cage, TikTok is going crazy with these Nick Cage and Pedro Pascal fucking... Meme yeah, slash videos. Unbearable weight of massive talent. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I'm loving it. It's hilarious. The stuff that people are coming up with is, is fucking hilarious. <laughs> it's just funny, you know, because I've watched that movie twice now and just knowing that scene, it's hilarious because Nick Cage is like on the verge of like the drugs kicking in. And oh, that's yeah. Why he gives, and he doesn't, and he just realizes he's been dosed by Pedro. And that's yeah. why Pedro's got that smile on his face. Yeah. You know? It's like. Uh, question <laughs> Is that song, Make Your Own Kind of Music, is that the actual song? That's playing I at the time. Feel like it is. Okay. I feel like it is. Yeah. Oh my god, it's fucking, it's hilarious. Um, one thing I was going to discuss before we get into the movies mm -hmm. is that, like Cody mentioned to me today, because he's already listened to the previous podcast. He's wild. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he made the argument, and I can't dispute it, that Randy is the unofficial Doom Prophet of the movies. Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny because we didn't even, you didn't even <laughs> explain why, and I'm like. Fuck yeah, he is because he knows he knows all the rules and he's telling everybody. And he's telling people the killers too, because he's looking yeah. at he looks right at Stu and he's like, You guys could be the killers easily. That you know, and yeah. it's like he said Look at him and like, tell me he's not the killer. <laughs> <laughs> so if we go by that logic, then going forward, then the experts in the movies are the the Doom Prophets, because they do make a comment in Scream 5 that the expert always dies, which is technically the Doom Prophet always dies. And uh, so might keep that in mind for, like, you know, these next two movies. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I guess we can't discuss it now, because technically there's two experts. They're usually always on the cover uh, together, and they're still alive. I won't say names yet until we finish this. Um, yes, speaking yes. of, did you see those posters that I picked up to use as our covers? Uh, yes, because I, I've actually seen those before, and it's funny you, you posted those because I've got there's a guy who makes like bootleg, um, like uh, DVD covers mm -hmm. or, or Blu ray covers on and sells them on eBay, and um he makes some really nice ones. And like, I bought a couple of them because I mean, like the art on them is so great. And then like one of them was the, I believe I got the shining. It's got, you know, real cool, you yeah. know, like, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson breaking through the door and all that stuff. But the one for scream four, because I've got the blu-ray, but I don't have like, it was just a plain disc is the same style as what you posted, but it's got like stabathon. It's like, oh. what, you know, and then it, it's like, they're having that, you know, big movie marathon or whatever. And then Ghostface is on that so I, yeah i want to i, I kind of want to throw in a stab poster which is so hilarious i may do that but uh yeah those are alternative movie posters um i'm surprised i found one for three and four the first one was really cool i really liked the first one 
Um, although I don't know that that was an alternative one. I think that was a legit, you know, they made that one. And then somebody came out with the alternative ones. And I was like, oh, dude, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there, there's some very talented people. Those alt posters that they've got that you can, you know, buy or whatever are amazing. Like they, they, they're as good as anything put out by like Scream Factory or you know uh, Vinegar Syndrome or anything like that. Yeah, so they're pretty good. We appreciate them, and they are not in cahoots with us, so please don't get mad at us for using them. <laughs> <laughs> I should put their information in because I don't know if that was. I didn't see anything about buying them, but I can go back and look and maybe be like, hey, if you're interested in buying this, here you go. You know. Well, like I said, you can definitely get them in a bootleg uh, slip cover for your uh, Blu-rays or your 4Ks. So. Yeah. Make your own kind of music. <laughs> <laughs> Circling it back around. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of that, let's circle back into Scream. Uh, we've had this little interlude here. Uh, first up is the reboot, Scream 4 from 2011. Uh, tagline for this one is, New Decade, New Rules. Directed by Wes Craven, uh, written by Kevin Williamson. He's back for this one. And it shows. Uh, music by Marco Beltrami. Uh, a budget of $40 million and it made 97.2. So not as much as the originals, but, I mean, it still made double, so it's it's still a moneymaker. Um, hold on one uh, second. We're going to halt for just a brief second. Is there? Are you going to be able to explain to me why this is called The Reboot? Uh, well, it's obvious because they, they intentionally, they were trying to, uh, they, it, so part five is the requel and we'll get into that. Okay. But during yes. this time period, uh-huh. they were trying to do reboots. So they were trying to like, so they, uh, so this was like a meta commentary about going along and, and picking like a new, uh, a new final girl basically. And then like rebooting it from that way, or at least the meta of the movie is, it's not necessarily a reboot of the series mm-hmm. because obviously they, of how it ends, but I mean, that that's kind of what they were doing with it. It was like a reboot with a little bit of, you know, the original cast in it or whatever. Yeah, because I feel like this is a continuation of the series. I don't feel like this is a reboot at all. Well, it was a, it's only a reboot in the sense of in the, the narrative of the movie. It's, it's, you know, like they're the, the two main killers are trying to reboot the series is mm. what they're trying to do. Okay. I'll accept that. Yeah, I mean, if you're going if you're going strictly by the movie itself, it's another sequel. But I mean, in the con, but I'm going by the concept of the movie itself, like the story. The two main killers are trying to reboot Scream. They're trying to come up with like a for a new generation, like a new series of uh, you know, like a new Final Girl, a new like uh, hero character. At least that's in their mind. That's what they're trying to do. Okay, I mean, like I said, I'm going, but I'm going to complain the whole time. <laughs> okay. Uh, principal players, Nev Campbell's back as Sydney Prescott again as the final girl. Let's um, talk about her. Who is she again? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a couple of days. Uh, Dane Farwell is playing Ghostface in this one, and we're back to double the fun because there are actual two in this one. Woohoo! Uh, uh, and he was uh, a stuntman on Zombieland Double Tap and in Minority Report. Wow. Uh, Emma Roberts is Jill Roberts uh, in the movie, uh, Sydney's cousin, and she's a fame-starved whore, basically. It's mm-hmm. uh, what it amounts to. Uh, and, of course, Emma Roberts is famous for the American Horror Story series now, uh, starting out with Coven. Uh, and then 
and you know, and then she's been in a few horror movies since then. Nerve, uh, Abandoned, which is a 2022 film, uh, had a comedy movie, We Are the Millers, which was one of the last gasp of comedy, but it's a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then The Black Coat's Daughter, which we have covered uh, on this podcast before. Um, so. Uh, Rory Culkin plays Charlie Walker, uh, who is the spurned horror nerd of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Arquette plays Dewey Riley again. Now he's the sheriff of Woodsboro. Oh, there's only room for one sheriff in this town. Uh, it makes more sense to me that he would have went back to Woodsboro and been the sheriff. I don't know. Like it, when you watch this movie and you see that, then you're like, why did he go? Why was he this Hollywood like consultant? I mean, yeah. it doesn't make a whole lot. Of, the only way that it makes any sense, and there's a lot, a lot of headcanon there, is if he went there with Gail. But then, like in the movie part three, they established the two were separated. So separated. Yeah, whatever. maybe maybe it was a way to get away from the separation, get away from Woodsboro for a minute, and maybe he was offered a pretty decent amount of money although it doesn't show later on in vibe but anyways moving forward <laughs> courtney cox is back as gail weathers riley in this when she's actually married to doing this when they uh reconciled their relationship after part three and now they're together although that's you can tell it's chafing her in this movie to be in woodsboro uh she's trying to give up the uh, true crime uh, aspect and go into writing fiction but she's not doing too good of a job of it uh, Marley Shelton is uh, making her debut here as Deputy Judy Hicks, uh, Dewey's right-hand woman, and she's obviously trying to move in there a little bit, which is a big friction between Gail and her. Mm-hmm. Uh, baking, baking that man some goods that apparently taste like shit, or at least according to Gail, they do. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, <laughs> you know, I was pissed when he turned to her and said, they don't, they really don't. It's like, ooh, you don't disagree with your wife. <laughs> well, her back was turned, and he does have to work with Judy, even if it's uh, a situation where he's not cons- giving in to her. I don't know. It's it. He's in a bad situation with all that. Oh, yeah. So. And, uh, of course, she was on the previous podcast that we covered Valentine, and then she's also in the new, uh, I think, Yellowstone offshoot, maybe, 1923. Um, I don't follow any of those, but I think that's maybe what's what that's from. Um Sinead Grimes Beach is playing Trudy, uh, the Stab Six victim. Uh, Lucy Hale is playing Sherry, the Stab Six victim. Anna Paquin plays Rachel, the Stab Seven victim. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she was in True Blood, uh, X-Men, and then uh, also in Trick or Treat, which is a movie we will cover at some point in one of the seasons because that movie's awesome. Uh, Kristen Bell is playing Chloe, the uh, Stab Seven killer, or at least one of them. Uh, Britt Robertson's playing Marnie Cooper, which is Jill's classmate. Amy Teagarden is playing Jenny Randall, who is a, a smart blonde, and yes. she lets everybody know that. Oh, yeah. She listed that IQ uh, and everything. Yeah, uh, right before she got gutted. Uh, Marielle Jaffe plays Olivia Morris, which is Jill and Kirby's friend. Uh, and I say Jill's friend in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Uh Allison Bree uh, plays Rebecca Walters, uh, Sydney's pub- publicist. Um and, of course, she's from Community, which is I recommended to anybody that can friggin' watch it because it's great. Uh, she was also, she's also been in several movies with her uh, husband. They're, they made several, like, uh, and The Rental is one of them. Uh, and then The Little Hours uh, are a couple. I think The Rental is actually a horror movie. I've not checked that one out, but I've heard good things about it. And then more recently, she was in the Glow uh, Netflix series. 
Uh, Adam Brody's playing Deputy Haas, who is assigned protection for Sydney. Is um, Sydney back in? Is Sydney back in? Well, I know she's okay. She's doing a book tour. I'm thinking, is she living in Woodsboro again? I don't think she is. She's technically staying with her uh, cousin or whatever. Yeah, her, uh, Kate. Uh, Anthony Anderson's playing Deputy Perkins, who's also assigned as protection. Uh, and he was in the remake to The Town That Dreaded Sundown, the one that came out in 2014. Uh, Mary McDonald plays Kate Roberts, Sydney's cousin and Jill's mom. Uh, Eric Knudsen plays Robbie Mercer, who is a streaming geek uh, and wannabe influencer. Hayden Panettiere plays Kirby Reed, who's a hot horror geek and a friend of Jill, another quotation mark, because apparently Jill doesn't care about people. No. And uh, Hayden came back and did uh, the Until Dawn video game. Um, so she's she's got a little bit of horror cred to her name now. Uh, and then Nico Tor- Te- Tortorella uh, plays Trevor Sheldon, which is Jill's ex-boyfriend, Stalker, and the stand-in for Billy in this movie. Although it's a setup. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Synopsis is 15 years on and Ghostface has returned to Woodsboro, ready to hack and slash a new generation. With local sheriff Dewey Riley and his admiring deputy Judy Hicks on the job, the police are doing everything they can to catch this new killer before the body count climbs to epic proportions. Will perpetual final girl Sydney Prescott make it through this reboot? Throats will be cut, crotches will be shot, (laughs) and heads will be defibrillated. And it's surprising. I couldn't have put another tagline in this because this literally only had one tagline. It's like the only movie I've seen in like forever that only has one. And it's New Decade, New Rules, and that was it. That's all they had listed. Wow. Which I guess, I guess if they're proud of it, I wouldn't have been, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Way to put in the effort. The old college try, you know? Yeah. Uh, body count. There's 14 counted, 15 non-counted. We have Trudy, who was stabbed in the chest by Ghostface. Uh, Sherry, who has her throat slit by Ghostface. Oh, those were some uh, good kills. And that was for the stab movies, huh? The stab movie, Which, yes. Oh, my God. I loved how there was multiple stab openings to the really fucking a, throw you a, off. A stab within a stab within Scream. Yeah. That's basically what it amounted to. That... When I started this movie, uh, this is jumping ahead slightly, uh, discussion of it, I was like, oh, shit, we're, it's that trope of somebody's on the phone and they're redoing part one again. But yeah. then I realized, because it reminded me, I'd forgot, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the one that's got that cool inversion where it's like they're watching Stab and there's, you know, with it, you know, and all that stuff. So this one, I, I give Kevin Williams some credit. Like, yeah. It takes that formula and it, it does a good job with it. Oh, he threw me for a loop for sure. And I, and I enjoyed it. Uh, Rachel is stabbed in the gut twice by Chloe. Uh, and then Marnie Cooper is stabbed in the gut and thrown through a window by Charlie Walker. This is where I actually get into the mm-hmm. Scream movie that we're watching. Uh, Jenny Randall is stabbed by Jill. Uh, Olivia Morris is stabbed multiple times and literally gutted by Charlie Walker. Uh, Rebecca Walters is stabbed in the stomach and thrown off many stories by Jill. Officer Haas is stabbed in the back by Jill. Officer Perkins is stabbed in the forehead by Jill. Ooh. And then Kate Roberts is stabbed in the back neck by Jill. So Jill's doing the bulk of the killing in this movie. Not by <laughs> Robbie, Mercer's, Robbie Mercer's, Mercer is stabbed in the chest, back, and stomach by Charlie, who's supposed to be his friend. Uh, you know, these, these people just don't care. And then Kirby Reed, there's an asterisk here. We'll get to that in a second. Is stabbed twice in the stomach. But the asterisk is, is that she's revealed to be alive in Scream 5. So didn't quite die in this movie. Okay. 
even though they didn't technically say she didn't. So it's I'm counting it, even though she really didn't. So whatever. And then uh, Trevor Sheldon is shot in the crotch and head by Jill Roberts. Uh, Charlie Walker is stabbed in the heart and stomach by Jill Roberts. And then Jill Roberts is got, gets electroshock and shot in the chest by Sidney Prescott. Uh, the non-counted death is that Neil Prescott, Sydney's dad, has been revealed to have died between Scream 3 and Scream 4, so poor Sydney has lost every fucking person in her fucking life. Not uh, true. There's Gail Weathers <laughs> and there's Deputy Dewey. I wouldn't count Gail, even though she does seem to be friends with her in Part 5. And yeah. Then, but, she, but there is Dewey, but we'll get to that. They're not besties, but they are practically horror relatives at this point. I feel like they're like... Uh, friends by you know fire or whatever mm-hmm. like you know how you like these soldiers that make you know friendships in the trenches that's that's them um sydney prescott uh starting our quotes here you forgot the first rule of remakes jill don't fuck with the original 100%. so see amen it's it so she admits it's they're, they're going they're trying to be a reboot so there you go before you scream and and tell me that you know that you don't see it i don't they, see they, it they, i was kidding <laughs> Um, after being stabbed in the shoulder, Ghostface is about to strike the final blow, and then Robbie's like, wait, no, you can't. You can't. There's rules. I'm gay. Oh. I'm gay. <laughs> Which I thought was fucked up because I was like, that is true. But then we forget. Let's circle back to Drew Barrymore. Certain rules do not fucking apply. <laughs> That's true. And it's funny because they bring it up earlier in the movie that technically, according to the new rules of social justice, you can't kill a gay character, which I find hilarious yeah. because social justice has went so far off the rails since this movie that literally this movie would be canceled for having killed. Well, first of all, for Robbie claiming he's gay if he's not. And then secondly, if he was gay for having killed him. Yeah. That's how bad it's gotten. So, I mean, if it helps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Robbie's like, I mean, if it helps, and then Ghostface stabs him, oh, you know, after God. that. Uh, Jill Roberts, my friends, what world are you living in? I don't need friends. I need fans. Don't you get it? There's never, this never been about killing you. It's been about becoming you. I mean, for fuck's sake, my own mother had to die. No great loss there. So I could say true to the original. That's sick, right? Well, sick is the new saying. You had your 15 minutes. Now I want mine. I mean, what am I supposed to do? Go to college, grad school, work, look around. We all live in the public now. We're all on the internet. How do you think people become famous anymore? You don't have to achieve anything. You got to have fucked up shit happen to you. So you have to die, Sid. Those are the rules. New movie, new franchise. There's only room for one lead. And let's face it, your ingenue days, they're over. <laughs> Damn. I. I love that. That is Kevin Williamson basically yeah. like fucking throwing shade at like social media, like big time and that whole monologue that Jill has. And of course, Emma Roberts delivers it in the, the best bitchy way that she can. Oh, she's yeah. great at those, that type of delivery. <laughs> it's kind of funny because most of this movie, she's playing really subdued and you're like, that's not the Emma Roberts that everybody loves. And then when she kicks out that one line, it's like, Oh, there she is. That's, that's the, the one that, you know, had the line. Cause they, they played all the time in like different videos on TikTok, The one from American horror story where she's like, um, she, uh, she asked some guy like at, at some party, like if he wants to go back and be her slave. And then like, she's like, what do you mean? You don't get anything or, or slaves get nothing or something yeah. like that later, whenever she talks to him or whatever. So, um, and then of course we have Gail Weathers, uh, Riley saying, okay, but can I have just fi- one final wor- word? And then Jill Roberts is like, what please? And then Gail's like, no clear. And then clear. And then that's when Sydney, you know, 
zaps are really good. Yeah. Which is one of the right. best Ooh. one of the best kills yeah. in, in the franchise, in my opinion. Um let's get right into it. So visually, what do you think about this movie? Um <sighs> it's nothing new. But it's because I I have no complaints about any scream movie. Even we had a few picks here and there of stuff not looking amazing. Um, maybe not amazing, looking its best, I should say, because to me they they all look pretty damn good, and nothing has changed with that. Um, so it, I, I want to say that with these movies so far, they've been pretty fucking consistent. Maybe lacking some of the blues in terms of color filters because mm-hmm. when I say when we go visuals I know we talk about the killings and the guts and the blood and everything but this is all uh, slightly different kills but this is all repetition they all look good you know I don't yeah, have there, anything that's still there's out. just a lot of the stabbing and all that stuff but they, they keep it to the same visceral you know like stabs and all that stuff like they've always had yeah and it goes all the way back to the first film where I mean it may have gotten slightly better but not so it wasn't so bad in the first film that it's a big notice that you're like, oh, my God, this is so much better. Yeah, the kills are going to get better, but how it looks, it's always been pretty impressive. So I'm, I'm, I love the consistency of that. I'll say this for it, and it has the benefit of being both newer, but also, I mean, even though the the budget, I mean, for a later time period means this was actually, I mean, with inflation added in, was probably less than what Scream 3 was. I feel like that the image quality, just like in the, in like the nighttime scenes and all that, were uh, closer to being on par with the original versus like what we talked about with Part 2 being a lot of like lighted, you know, overly yeah. lit scenes, and then Part 3 That's true. being just kind of like a generic thing. This one is went back and kind of like you, you see more of that contrast between light and dark in this one. I wonder if that's because they went back to filming it during the day, but, you know, changing it to night. Uh, or if it was filming at night and then, you know, just making sure they had the proper lighting to make it, you know, visu- visually where you could see everything. I, I don't really know. It's just it, it looks like there was a lot more effort put into this one as far as like making it, you know, look fresh or whatever, yeah. like it, you know, it, like it was a quality movie that way. Um, it did remind me a lot of the first one, though, so I, I will give it that. Yeah, and I mean, there's... There's a lot of, I mean, well, I mean, and it was direct. I mean, Kevin Williamson, because it's, quote, unquote, the reboot. I mean, they they were going by their stand-ins for a lot of the other characters. I think that's maybe in the trivia. If not, I do remember reading that, you know, because Billy is, you know, Trevor, you know, Jill, Sidney, you know, uh, there's Kirby is technically Randy in a roundabout sense, a female version of him. Yeah. And and because she's like, but then that one, that one kid, um, one pretends he's gay. Um, let's see, Robbie or whatever. He's he's got a little bit of the, the like the Randy Stu stuff going on too. So I mean, I don't know. There, there's there. Uh, I guess Stu might be Charlie, but there's there's a little bit of blending there. With some of the characters, but they do kind of harken back to the same uh, character tropes and all that. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the story? Um. It's starting to become same shit, different day. I hate to say this, but as the minute I found out that Jill was Sid's cousin, I knew she was the killer. I knew immediately. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a family? Well, for some reason, this family has a 
fucked up bloodline. So she is one of the killers, if not both. I didn't guess the guy right away, but it didn't take very long. I'll be honest with you. I... I didn't get it like the first time that I watched it. I was, I, I remember being surprised because I'm pretty sure I watched this one in the theater and I, I remember being pretty kind of surprised because I guess I was so burnt by three that I just put like scream out of my mind for like a bunch of years. Yeah. And then whenever, um, cause I, I think we might've watched that one in the theater, but, but anyways, like when I watched this one, I was like, you know, I wouldn't think anything. And whenever Jill, like, you know, it's revealed that she's like psycho or whatever. I was like, Hmm, that's in I mean that I wasn't expecting that uh Charlie's a little bit more you know you know they they kind of I mean he's he's not that big of a reveal like I mean there's no. nothing to that he's kind of a, he's got sad puppy uh, syndrome for sure uh, although it did get me even this time re-watching it I mean I've seen it before uh same thing with Derek like every time I, I forget before the movie and then I when I get to the end I'm like was that or the, were they good were they not like that scene where Kirby is like seeing because uh, there's that call back to Casey Becker you know in this movie where mm-hmm. Kirby's there and she sees Charlie all tied up and she's having to do the trivia on the phone and then whenever she goes out there to uh you know release him then he stabs her or whatever in the stomach and then I was like oh shit I completely forgot that you know he does that turn on her right then yeah like it's one of those things I, I forget every or every time I've watched it, I forgot it. Um, I don't know. I I like the commentary in this movie about like the social media stuff. Yeah, like, I feel like it's 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 a neat twist. I feel like Kevin or you know Williamson's went back and he's done uh, you know his homework trying to update like new concerns for a different generation. You know, at the time whenever the first screen came out uh landlines you know were the thing the internet was barely you know there and then like now that the internet's ubiquitous i mean they they have it in the point in the movie where the guy's got the little streaming doohickey on his head or whatever like you know it's it's like you know that he's working in the social media aspect to the kills now and i and i thought that was was good and like i said i i enjoy that movie within a movie within a movie type thing that they oh my god that was for sure one of my favorite parts of this movie (laughs) um I feel like the all the outside of Kirby, um, and then the principal characters, like and and Allison Brie, like I, I think her character is kind of interesting the way that she portrays it. I feel like all the friends to uh, Jill are just kind of like non people, like in this movie, like none of them really stood out to me. I don't um, know how yeah. you felt about that. No, I'm gonna 100 percent agree with you, <laughs> and I don't know if that was the intention or. You kind of have, well, obviously you've got Nev Campbell, you've got the originals. They don't count because, yes, they're going to stand out and you kind of expect to see them at this point. And we got that. So even they don't fully stand out. But then you got Emma Roberts. And Emma Roberts, she was very much up and coming, if not already, all, definitely on the rise already in this. And I think that's the hard part is because knowing Emma Roberts, most of her roles, that's another thing that kind of gave her away as the killer. You know, <laughs> knowing that she plays the bitchy, yeah. uh, pa- uh, power hungry characters and everything she plays. Exactly. So, I mean, that's kind of what I walked into. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know. This movie was very almost unexciting. There was very few exciting moments to it. But they, the ones that were super exciting, I mean, I was like, oh, boy, you know, like I'm fucking enjoying this. But I don't know. It felt like almost like like i said just another fucking scary movie but also mixed with american horror story 
<laughs> you know? <laughs> Just like how Finn Wolfhard makes every yes. Stranger Things that yes. he's in, Emma Roberts makes it American Horror Story. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's just how I felt watching this. And I was just like, uh. Also, I was getting screen burnout at this point, too. Well, there's a, I'm, I'm going to say something to that. Now, first of all, when, did, when was the first time you watched this? Oh, God, uh, a few weeks ago. Okay, so you didn't watch this back in the day? No. Okay, okay. So that explains why you were expecting all that stuff with Jill. That explains it. Yes. Because like I said, if, you, if you'd been like, if you'd watched it whenever it came out, because there was all those years, I mean, this came out in like, what, 2011, I think I said, and then the, the last scream before that came out in 2000, there was that big long gap. So there was, I think that's why it was a little bit more of a shock when Jill did, had to turn or whatever, because yes. there was so many years between. And unless you were one of those people that like, just binge watched all the screen movies right before you went in, which there might've been people that did that. I, I don't see that being uh, happening. This movie's weird because when I first watched it, this was my least favorite scream, even though I didn't like three, I, I was just like same shit, different day. I was the same boat you were, but having given it time to kind of marinate and like knowing that whenever I came back to it, I was like, this is, I, I'd skipped this one for a long time. I was just like, uh, you know, I don't know if I, you know, if I, when I go back and rewatch it and then like whenever I watched it for this, I was getting uh scream fatigue by the third movie. And then this one came back and it was kind of like a breath fresher. And I'm like, all right, let's watch five. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's it's different if you've if you've given it time i'll just put it that way like it's it, i i came back to it and i enjoy this movie more than i used to like i was in the same exact boat you were in like 100 percent. and then like i watched it this time and i'm like i've not give scream for the credit that i should have gave it because it's if, if you go back and you see how bad three got especially like you know doing this review of all these like four was really trying to pull it pull everything back yeah and like you know uh and there's a little bit of trivia about that too this was supposed to be the start of a new trilogy <laughs> uh, it didn't happen that way but it was supposed to be an attempt was made uh, well, there's there's reasons why it didn't get made. It was a couple of things, and I think uh, it's it's because of. I mean, it's in the trivia. I mean, the first thing there, but I'll just go ahead and say it. Uh, Wes Craven like died a few years after this. He was suffering from brain cancer, so that's the reason. Like he, they never really got the ball rolling on yeah. making more sequels, Damn. which kind of st- you know kind of stunk. About yeah, it. I noticed after five there was a big old message for Wes, and I was like. Oh boy, I bet you he's so proud. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, the story's a weird one because, like I said, I, I appreciate it more now, like you know, than I used to. Like, I, but I can see where you're coming from, hundred percent, because I, I t- until this recent review of this, I had the same exact opinion you did of it. I'm gonna give it this definitely a better storyline than um than three for sure. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's also it's becoming a tired storyline because it's like I said, it's always a family member, you know, of some relation or a boyfriend, you know. So, yeah, it wasn't anything new. I was just like, oh, great, you know. And like, it, okay, so American Horror Story started in 2011. I don't know exactly when Emma Roberts showed up. I want to say she showed up in Horror House. Uh, no, maybe no, that was another actress she, that was played the girlfriend she, that got buried. She, uh, well, 
I don't I don't remember her having like a major on screen presence no, until not Coven, major. So yeah. So okay. So American Horror Story was out, but I don't think she was quite in there yet. But I've seen Emma Roberts like when she was in the comedy where the Millers. That was a movie role, and I think she did that movie role pretty fucking well, which is not her typical character. She played her usual typical character in this film, but it felt like she was playing doing it for TV. The the film acting wasn't there, and she was. This is pretty early in the career, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give her a pass on that. You know, I don't think it was her best acting. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not going down that hill. I agree with you. She's yeah. <clears throat> she's uh, she turns it up at the end and brings it back, and, and but like for the rest of, for most of the other parts of the movie, she's very like she blends into the background. And yeah, it's not what you need from her character in this movie, unless I mean. If you want her not to, or to have kind of like the red herring thing, then yeah, maybe. But like, I feel like if they were trying to set it up that she was going to be the new final girl, mm-hmm. she needed to have enough personality to stand next to Nev Campbell. And she yeah. didn't. 100%. I didn't even think about it that way, but that is another point, a good point that you make about that. Um, I just wasn't buying what she was selling. Uh, maybe she wasn't giving me enough crazy. I don't know what it was. Um, I feel like if we had a redo of this film or if Emma Roberts could redo it again exactly with everybody, I feel like she really could bring a better uh, presence to the screen. Oh, 100%. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I think Kirby outshone her through most of the movie. Like Kirby was the one character that stood out to me that upon rewatching this of all the like high school kids. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's just, I don't know. Also, again... Not buying a tiny ass little girl throwing whole ass <laughs> bodies around. I don't even buy a little girl or a woman of any sorts dragging a dead body because dead weight is no joke. Now, you're not exactly dead when you get stabbed, so that might be easier to push somebody, but throwing them through something, not fucking buying it. So, again, not buying. The girl ghost face killer, I think it's cute and adorable, but it's not a thing. <laughs> well, now, to give them credit, just looking back through the kills that were attributed to Jill, all of hers were sneak attack stabs yes. on most people. Yes, so and that's, that, there, I do buy that. that. Yes, but when she threw somebody, because she did throw somebody, didn't she? Uh, every throw was attributed to Charlie. Hold on. Uh, not that I feel like Rory Culkin looks like he's, that manly to be able to do that either, but that's a whole other argument. Right here. Rebecca uh, Walters stabbed in the stomach, thrown off many stories by Jill. Okay. So she yeah, did. Yeah, but you're talking, you're talking about Allison Bree. I mean, like she's tiny too. So yeah. it's like, if they were going to match her up with somebody, that would be the one to match her would up with. Would be better. With. Yeah. So <laughs> anyways, yeah. Um, and then I, I just want to go back to the stabbing. I don't think that for anyone, even a guy that's stabbing through a chest. Have you seen Ghostface stab through doors too? He stabs through fucking doors like they're butter. A bathroom <laughs> stall, which is usually made out of metal. Yeah. And, and pulls the knife back. No fucking way. Not a girl, not even a guy, but especially not a girl. So... I don't know. Uh, I hate to. Well, I hate the one to... time that the one time she that's she stabs through a door in this. It's actually through the mail slot. So there's you know there's yeah, a little bit of leeway. That's on that one hundred percent. No, definitely. So I just I, 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 
looking at the kills that they attribute to her, I'm going to give Williamson credit because he actually, like every kill that Jill did, like was more like, more understandable than the kills that Nancy yes. was attributed to in part yes, two. Yes, definitely. <laughs> God, and... that, that stab in the forehead. Woo! <laughs> but that's through a skull. Now, I have, to, I have a question because Noah couldn't answer it for me. Is there, okay, we talk about, I hate to say this word, we talked about retard strength before. Yes. Okay, is there some kind of strength for people that are psychotic? Do you think they have an overabundance of some kind of strength that's built within them because they're so fucking psycho? I think there's a possibility for that because you've heard of the phenomena where, like, say, a mother sees that her child is, like, trapped underneath a vehicle or something like that yeah. car. And there's been, like, a literally a, a woman the size of Emma Roberts has been able to pick up the edge of a car long enough for a kid to get out from under it. And that's 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 on record. That's happened before. Yes. And it's due to adrenaline surges. Now, you get people with psychotic rage, all the chemicals that are messed up in their brain. Mm-hmm. like the, the, the it's, it's very possible that you could get something like that. Okay, so now uh, Emma Roberts goes up. It, it would not be sustainable. Yes. No, give, they, it, it's more like, and I, you know, this is for the geeks out there, uh, like if you're playing like a, you know, a role-playing game, there's barbarians, and they get like these barbarian rages. They, they get adrenaline dumps, and they go batshit crazy, but then they get fatigued afterward, mm-hmm. and they can't do anything. That's what would happen in real life if you had that sort of strength. Okay, because I'm like, is it just something that you can get pumped up every time you know you're going to succeed at something or, you know, I mean, because like I said, she had a lot of sneak attacks, so she wouldn't need a ton of strength for that, but definitely needs some. It depends on what triggers their outburst. Mm-hmm. If it's the, the thrill of the kill, then you could possibly bring it on that, that often. If it's some kind of weird kink related thing, then like, you know, Norman Bates and you could probably bring it on that way because mm-hmm. of the way that dopamine and all that happens whenever you're doing, you know, with sexual thoughts and all that. But I don't, I, it would be hard. I mean, other than that, it would be hard to figure out another way that they could just at will bring that sort of thing about. Okay. Um, Cause most people, if you're going to have that kind of psychotic rage strength, it's like in the moment, like somebody, you know, did something to piss them off or, you know, whatever. And for these psychopaths, there has to be some kind of like, almost like sexual energy or something. Going yeah. On. Like they, they just love the kill so much. That it just gets them amped up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's a stretch in that sense, but you know, it's, it's a stretch, I, there, but there it's still possible. There. Yeah. Um, but like, just going back to what you were talking about with the acting, like it, it's serviceable by most of the, I mean, like, I feel like the principals do a, a good job. I mean, this is one of the better jobs that, you know, uh, uh, David Arquette's done in some of the movies. Oh, I mean, yeah. he does better in part five, but he, he's, he's, he's good growing. He's growing. <laughs> uh, and and it, it's just funny because I was getting ready to mention Marley Shelton and you say he's growing. And I was like, well, Marley Shelton would like him to grow a little <laughs> bit when she's around, but that's all other thing. Uh, she does a pretty good job in this. I feel like she's, yeah. she plays that character to the point. Like you, you, you kind of hate her because like, she's, causing so much strife between Dewey and and Gail. Oh, I know. I didn't like her immediately. But I am going to say that (laughs) she's also, because I know this is jumping ahead just a little bit, but she is also really good in five. So. She is. Yeah. Um, 
it was hard watching this because like I, I saw that and, I, and my wife immediately took the same stance you did just like that bitch yeah and I'm like, whore yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I, but I'm sitting there thinking I'm like yeah but she's that single mom that's really trying to take care of her kid in part five like I don't like I'm conflicted I understand what you're saying but I still feel bad for her you know yeah, but, I mean, she could also be the single mom that's trying to get a little bit more assistance in life. And let me tell you, I mean, I don't I don't think I even have to tell you. Just knowing Candy, the fire department and the police department, they all, I mean, we know about that fucking lady who had a fucking, <laughs> okay, that one officer. And that long black train. <laughs> yes, okay, like, they all just be sleeping with each other because they're always together. So... Well, it's it's another thing too that that ties in what we just talked about with the psycho strength. It's you're in high stress situations. Yeah, you're with the same people all the time. It's it's a way to relieve stress. I mean, <laughs> and, and like I don't know, they're, they're, when you've got that much stress going on, that much tension, and you're in close proximity, it may. Uh, it, I mean, it's not an excuse by any means. No, it's yeah, saying that you could see why it leads to that. A little bit of a human nature, if you will. Yeah. Um, same thing with hospitals. I mean, between like, you know, nurses and doctors and that sort of thing, like, especially like ERs and all that stuff. Um, what about the music in this movie? Like, I don't really feel like it stood out as much Mm -mm. as some of the past ones, but maybe that's because it was a different generation and I don't really associate with this music as much. Yeah. I didn't recognize anything. I even looked at the soundtrack and nothing there that stood out to me. Um, nothing other than original, composed music there's there's really no music again that i that i recognize um it's funny because i feel like i recognize more of the songs in the 2022 version even though it's newer and like the music skewed for even younger like the it part like whenever i you know was listening to like satellite radio and that sort of thing I, I would listen to the alt radio you know alt rock station or whatever and they started playing like some of the stuff that was more like five whereas this one was like just kind of a bland you know like poppy whatever that time period and i'm like yeah I, i'm too old i stopped listening to that shit probably about you know a few years before you know this movie came out um well screen five had uh uh oh god i thought that was duran duran but it's not um, okay, they had SZA and DJ Khaled. You've heard them, whether you know them or not. You've definitely heard them. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, yeah. Uh, Red Right Hand again. They had that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Let me see. I don't really see. Oh, Santa Gold. You would also know them even if you don't know who they are. Um, I feel like there there was an alt rock band in that that I, I feel like that I, I started recognizing the beat too right before it, and it was like I think while that character that guy who plays in uh, Thirteen Reasons Why or whatever yeah. was like listening to it or something and I was like yeah I know that song you know yeah um, um I don't know um I, I, here's what I, this is all I've noticed with the the Scream Four music is that at the beginning very kind of chippy kind of happy appropriate composed music for what we were watching and then it just stayed dark after things started turning so that's all I noticed nothing stood out but I also that's a good thing again because I didn't notice anything that was not appropriate yeah just looking at some of the like something that I for which I think I've heard of that one but then like some of these other was like Cup of Coffee by the Novocaines, uh, Make My Body the Chain Gang of 1974. I, I don't know any of these songs. Mm-hmm. Like, this, it, like it just doesn't stand out. Yeah, and that might have been a budget thing. That might just be a – they don't really have to focus on music in this 
Although well, it, sometimes it, it, it helps. It might also be though that I mean this was the transition period right after like music had kind of hit a wall with Napster, you know, and they were trying to figure out what to do with it. And like yeah. I feel like a lot of music during this time period just kind of just came and went because there wasn't really Spotify to kind of get it in people's ears again. And yeah. then like it was, you know, it was somewhere in that, you know, middle land, you know. You know, it's sad because <laughs> sometimes you could get your hands on a soundtrack before the actual movie came out and they were fucking fire. Every, like most soundtracks, you knew if it had a badass soundtrack, then it was going to be a pretty good movie. For the most part, it, you could almost guarantee. I remember when we got the Batman soundtrack, the original ba- uh, Batman by Tim Burton. Of course, okay. the soundtrack was by, what's his name? Um, uh, why can't I? Danny order? Elfman. Thank you. And I was like, what is this? This isn't music that I know. But it was still so good, obviously. Danny Elfman, even as a kid, I knew. Like, this is awesome. We got that before we got to see the movie. And then. I thought you were getting ready to break down and, and say, uh, which that original soundtrack also had that Prince song on nope, it. Nope, you know, that was the second Prince one. Okay. That was the second oh, one. Yeah. He well, did no, that album. It was the first. No, it wasn't the first. It was the second. I thought, oh, no, it was the first, huh? Yeah, the first one had the Prince songs because that's when uh, Jack Nicholson was like dancing yes. and, you know, like Which, and listening to the Prince song. By the way, that's a completely separate soundtrack. There was two. Oh, yeah, I know. There I know was, they always did like the orchestral soundtracks yes. as one and then the pop soundtracks as another. Dude, and but Prince I, did funny. that one and it was legit. But the original Batman score is, is amazing. Oh, that's yeah. It's getting way off off tro- topic but kind of in a roundabout sense i just thought whenever you started talking about batman soundtracks i thought you was getting ready to quote uh kiss on a rose oh hell no <laughs> kiss from a rose because hey, i remember that when that came out and then the uh um there was a uh there was that song by um i believe it was trent reznor or something that was on that same album or something that uh and, and i remember that soundtrack when it came out and then just um it's funny though the one that I that I remember the most from that time period was Dumb and Dumber because there was a lot of good alt rock bands. Yeah. On oh that my album. god, yes they did. <laughs> okay, remember how we were talking about Susie? It was it Susie and the Banshees? Yes. They yes. did a song for the Batman album, the second one called Face to Face, which is a fucking legit ass song. I know we're going on a banter here, but long story short is is that where's the music? Where is the original motion picture soundtrack? That shit used to be amazing. I feel like that'd be a good bunny grab these days too. Uh, I they, I mean, they do those things, but I mean, you have they've gotten it to now to where the only way that you can get those is if you're into records and if you yeah. pay like fifty to sixty dollars just to get like the special limited edition like colored print or something of a record that's like in limited quantities or whatever that like through waxworks or one of those places yeah. the only people that really do those anymore like oh and it's, my God. It's, it's just funny like with people of our generation it's like we just remember going to the you know like uh walmart or wherever and like having all those cds there and then just like you know they they were dirt cheap like you could buy whatever the yeah. fuck you wanted and and I never bought at Walmart because for the longest time they had the clean versions only. Yes, yes, they did. That was of, the of worst. Everything. Absolute worst. I can't believe you would buy a CD, you pop that bad boy in, all of a sudden cuss words are being blurped out, and you're like, son of a bitch. 
Okay. It's like that radio edit version of Everlast where they, they won't even say, like, uh, smoke the finest green. Like, they cut that part out. Yeah. And I'm just like, I know that's a reference to marijuana, but he doesn't even say the word. Like, come oh on. Oh, my God. It was wild. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about this movie? Uh, like I said, I understand completely where you're at. I can't even argue with it because I was in the same shoes you were with this movie. I, yeah. did, I was like, it's another one, whatever. It's better when you come back to it. Okay. It's, it's a weird one. Maybe I will. <laughs> in a couple years. Uh, but do you want to move on to the trivia now? Yeah, let's do trivia. Uh, if, uh, we recovered that about Wes, which was sad. He died in 2015. So, wow. um And he was young. Uh, yeah, at, at well, uh, seventy-six. I mean, he's he, youngish. He, uh, let's see. At four installments, this initially uh, uh, landmarked the Scream fan franchise as being one of the only horror franchises to have both of its main characters as well as its director return for all of its sequels. Yeah. Uh, until the release of Scream Twenty Two, which features a new director, the director as a result of Craven's death. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, consistently bringing back the same director and same principles—that's pretty good. Uh, Courtney Cox and David Arquette, who were married in 1999 after meeting uh, during the making of Scream in 96, had filed for separation in October of 2010. Although there was slight tension on the set, they were said to remain professional and respectful of each other. They later divorced in May of 2012. So this movie came out right in the middle of their divorce. Which kind of works in terms of the separation. Which yeah, it comes. It works in terms of like her being pissed at Dewey and all that shit that's going on. Oh my god! Because it was like I I felt it, you know. (laughs) And I was like, God, I must be just a super jealous person if like I'm feeling this passionate over what's going on. (laughs) It could have just been reflected through her, Um, but I mean, I imagine they, for the most part, I imagine as far as I know, they're pretty. What's the word when you describe a divorce that that's um oh god that is it, it's on friendly terms for the most part. It starts with a C, but I can't remember. Yeah, that. it's, it's not it's, consensual. It's, it's, it's leaving me. But anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and they had their daughter, which I believe her name is Coco Riley. Which I wonder if Riley is from Dewey Riley's name. I wonder, yeah, that'd be that. It wouldn't surprise me if that's not where that that comes from. I mean, I love it. Yeah, Coco Riley Arquette. If that is what that is from, I I fucking love her for that because they met on the set. Now, Coco is a mixture of Courtney Cox, so it's the CO and the CO. I know that much. <laughs> um, were you thinking of amicable? Amicable. Uh, there we go. Yeah, that's another word that they use for that kind of Amicable. separation. Yeah, for the most part, they had that. Yeah, and and they worked together with their, with the co-owned production company the two of them had for years after their their divorce. So yeah, they're it's and and we'll get into it in part five. But they actually there was a tearful, uh, good way reunion between the two of them whenever they had to have their scenes on set in part yeah. five. Oh, that's good. Uh, Dewey's lamp as a result of stab wound in the first film and shown to be quite prominent in the sequels is no longer present in this movie. Although not explained on screen, the script dismisses it quickly with a screen direction note. His lamp is nearly non-existent years of physical therapy. Okay. Sure. (laughs) At least it's a dumb explanation to explain it away. And I'm good with that. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, (laughs) I mean, if that's what they got to do. Yeah. 
At around six minutes in the scene where Jenny, uh, Amy Teagarden, explains to Marnie, Britt Robertson, the story about the Stab movies, she says Stab 5 has time travel, <laughs> which is by far the worst. Uh, uh, Wes Craven had the idea of time, time travel and, and, and uh, dreams for A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, but the studio rejected it. Okay, I immediately <laughs> thought of Jason Voorhees, though. <laughs> and his time travel. Uh, uh, well, he he's he teleports, he time travels, he does all kinds of weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, at around 18 minutes, a bust of Henry Winkler, the former principal in Scream in 1996, uh, can be seen briefly in the hallway. So at least they give uh, Henry or whatever his name was uh, his his due. There you go. A bust of him? Uh, I don't understand. What's a bust? It's like uh, it's like a statue from like okay. basically like the the upper chest up to the you know on okay. top of the head. Uh, the first Scream movie, not to f- this is the first one not to mention the not to feature the song "Red Right Hand" by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Mm-hmm. I um, wonder if the sixth will have it. Mm, I, I don't imagine that it wouldn't. They brought it back in five. They know what they're doing, so I mean, they at least brought it back. Hayden Panettiere was very unhappy with all the rewrites and script changes that went on during production, especially in regards to a character Kirby Reed nearly quitting the film as a result. Um, but. I mean, I don't know how old she was at this point, but she had a child, and she went through some shit. Yeah, 2009 through 2011. I don't know when she had her kid, though. And she was going through some mental stuff for a minute. Oh, she almost had a Britney moment? Uh, She kind of did, and I think because of it, she does not have custody of her child, although she gets to see oh. her child. Shit, that sucks. Yeah. Mm, anyways. Uh, it is revealed that Woodsboro does have a stab movie a marathon party every year. Uh, this is just like the town of Texarkana, which features the town that dreaded sundown uh, from 1976 annually, which is about real-life murders in Texarkana. It's it's movie in the park every October. Oh, my God. Uh, the town that dreaded sundown is also mentioned in the first film when everyone deserts the streets for curfew. <laughs> Um, that's a real life uh, thing, though. Like they, I don't think if I remember right, they never found that killer. What? What? Yeah, the the one. I, I'm pretty sure. Like I might be mistaking that for. I, I know the one in the Strangers was was never found. The group that did the Strangers kills or whatever was never found. But like, and we can bring this up in human horror. But I'm pretty sure the town that dreaded sundown. Like I don't think that killer was ever found. Do they still have a curfew? Um, no, I mean, okay. they, and they joke about it like they do in this movie and, you know, and watch movies about the murders that okay. happen there. Uh, Kristen Stewart turned down a role as the film's opening kill, uh, believing that she couldn't match Drew Barrymore's, Barrymore's performance from the first film. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. a smart choice. Yeah, I think that's a good choice, too, because I've never felt like she was a good actress, but... That's yeah, me. she's not, but I mean, well, I, I don't have complaints. I haven't seen a ton of movies that she's been in, but I'm sorry, Drew Barrymore is an icon, and I think that's very respectful her to, for her to recognize that. Yeah, uh, it's just, I mean, it, I'm hope if, if I'm not now, she is the one in Twilight, right? Yes. If I'm thinking right. So she's yes, very okay. well-known actress, you know? Yeah, it's just that I've seen her, in everything I've seen her in, she's very, like, I mean, like, we talked about Emma Roberts. Mm-hmm. Roberts doesn't really turn on the charm in this movie until, like, maybe the very last little bit. Yeah. That's that's Kristen Stewart, everything yeah. that she's in. Like, everything. She's just, 
yeah, she just there. I mean, it's not, she, she does a good frowny face, but that's, I mean, that's about the extent of what I've seen her do. I mean, it's not really, there's nothing really right home about with her. I want to go on a tangent about her just briefly, but she got caught in a major cheating scandal where she was with two, well, not two dudes, but obviously she was with one guy, I think engaged to him, which was Robert Patterson. And then got caught cheating with her director of that Snow White film she was in, who was married. Okay, and now she's a full blown lesbian. Oh, that well, that explains her short haircuts that she's oh yeah recently. She's full blown lesbian. Fine, I just find that so weird. She was after that dick, and now she's like, well, that caused me a lot of trouble. It's plus for me. (laughs) She was trying to find herself. She was just confused. Well, somebody, a couple guys found her first, so. <laughs> uh, at least Pattinson can't be the one that, that, that feels bad about the fact that she turned the lesbian right after him. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, there's not <laughs> Oh, that. well, actually, they got back together. Uh, I don't know if she dated another guy after him. They got back together briefly. They tried to make it work out. It was never going to work. He was never going to get over that, and good for him. Yeah, I don't. It's hard for any relationship to come back from anything like that because oh, yeah. you can't have trust. I mean, oh, yeah. It's, you know. At around one hour and 11 minutes when Kirby, Hayden Panettiere, and Charlie, Roy Culkin, are discussing trivia during the after party, Kirby makes a joke that she has powers. Hayden Panettiere starred in Heroes as oh. Claire Bennett, uh, who had the ability to regenerate. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's another little meta thing they threw in there for the actress. Uh, Deputy Hicks, Marley uh, Shelton, uh, is a nod to the character of the same name played by Michael Bean in uh, Aliens, nineteen eighty six. Shelton and Bean both uh, had both been in Planet Terror, two thousand seven, four years before. Oh, that's hella funny. Cool reference. Yeah. On the wall of the cinema club room, a poster for Death Proof, (laughs) going back to Planet Terror, (laughs) is clearly visible. Uh, and Marley Shelton was also in Death Proof, so there's that connection. And, uh, of course, uh, Rose McGowan was also in that film as well, so it's tied back to the original screen. What movie studio was uh, were those movies? Um, they're, they had to be Miramax, okay. like, because Rodriguez, like, a same as Scream, like, he, he worked with that company uh, continuously, him and Quentin Tarantino. If, if, if either one of them, especially Tarantino, ever uh, disavowed Harvey Weinstein, they're full of shit because I, I know at least Quentin Tarantino had to have been like, you know, in on some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, they, they He was just too buddy-buddy with Weinstein at that point. Um, oh, my God. It's a slight tangent, but not so much Death Proof, but Planet Terror, Hollywood, or yes, Hollywood Horror Nights, Halloween Horror Nights. I, I I'd be down for that. I mean that I, I I love that little how how they filmed it and how it's like a complete throwback to like B movies. Oh my god, that would be freaking amazing! And not only they they could have like the the hospital, they could have there's so much they could do with it. Or they well, it'd be tough from the to do death proof, but they could work it in there if they was able to do. Uh, black phone. They could do yeah. death proof as well. well. I, I said not death death proof because I just don't think you can. Um, uh, other than having that card jump through at you every now and then, and I don't I don't really think it's doable. But um, definitely Planet Terror 
And there was one more. What was the other one? Death Proof, Planet Terror. Those were the ones in that movie, unless you're talking about the uh, little interstitial trailers that they did. Oh, God, Machete. <laughs> uh, machete, the werewolves of the SS or whatever that oh my God. Rob Zombie did. No, we can't do um, that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, Emma Roberts auditioned for the uh, film mostly out of nostalgia as she grew up on watching the Scream movies, although she is scared of horror films in real life. Uh, she also wanted to step out of her comfort zone and play against type, having mainly done family films prior. So this was right before her turn as that's a horror. so funny. Uh, and now that's all she plays. So she's kind of just, she's a two-trick well, it's, pony. It's the same thing, though, with Jamie Lee Curtis. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis, I was just listening to a podcast or uh, to a YouTube uh, video today that uh, the Dead Pit guys did. Uh, they were uh, interviewing um, uh, this one uh, guy. He always does, like, these he, this special features on disc, uh, Sean, I can't remember his last name right now, but he, he always does like these videos where he goes to like, uh, ha uh, horrors, hallowed grounds or whatever, like where he goes to the actual places where they film the, you know, the locations of the movies. Yeah. And, um, anyways, um, he was talking about, I mean, about that stuff. He, cause he, there was this big blow up with Tony Moran who was like, Michael Myers for like a split second. Dude's totally psycho. He's like started like he's trying to pull down everybody around him that like and, and get them all in trouble because he's so fucked up himself. Yeah. And they was just mentioning uh, that Sean was mentioning on that podcast or th that he was that uh, about Jamie Lee Curtis and like he said like she's a legit about being like she even though she's been on all those horror films like she cannot watch them he's like he said that anytime that he's been with her at like conventions because he's like kind of the guy who's the handler you know in those situations where he takes care of the you know the the horror you know actress or actor while you know while they're there at the convention he said that anytime they've did like screenings of those movies she is like very adamant that she you know uh that they do the best they can to keep her from having to watch it because she's just that scared of them <laughs> I don't, it is weird. I don't fucking get it. I can get starring in a movie that, I mean, I don't know. I think that I would be a horrible place. First of all, I'm not an actress, so I'd be a horrible actress in general. But if you put me in a horror film, I'm going to have a great time. Put me in a zombie film, which is, I'm going to put it in its own fucking genre, okay? Because I just can't. I don't think that I could do it. <laughs> I don't know that I could fake it. That the zombies would have to be super, super duper cool with me and be like, "Okay, Raina, we're gonna be pulling out your guts," you know, and I'd be like, "Okay, guys, thanks for letting me know," you know. Um, there'd be have to be a lot of joking for me to be able to be on the film. Clearly, I can watch zombie films. It's hard, but I don't. I still can't understand. God, you know what? Changing, flipping, flipping switches here. Maybe I would have a hard time. Uh, obviously, I just said I'd have a hard time with zombie films, but also possession films. Maybe I couldn't. Maybe I can understand. Well, it's two things about that. First of all, that guy's name is Sean Clark, so to give him credit, that's yeah. the one who's who's speaking about all that stuff. And uh, secondly, it's funny you say that because I, I told you, you know, uh, you know, online on Discord that you know I watched uh, Warm Bodies again. Yeah. And I was watching the behind the scenes on that that uh, 4K that I got in and. It, they're, it's it's hilarious because they have the zombies there, but then they had like Rob Cordry and he was like cracking jokes oh, about yeah. like 
uh, trying to find cocaine and stuff like that while he was dressed up as like a zombie. So they they would be joking around, like you know. Oh, that would be the best fucking set to be on. But like a legit (laughs) zombie, like I said, they'd have to be super super cool with me. They'd have to ease me into whatever scene they're come closing in on me. Um, yeah, but okay, you, so maybe you know actually. what would happen though. You would get a director who would not tell you that something oh, was about to happen, God. and then he would film your reaction to it. It would, and it would be a genuine reaction because <laughs> I, I, okay, I, I apologize to Emma Roberts. I understand now. <laughs> Uh, Scout Taylor Compton auditioned for the role of Jill Roberts. Um, and you know, she's big in the horror community because I mean, of course she was in the, uh, Rob Zombie Halloween, you know, uh, films or whatever. And yeah. Very, very attractive woman on top of that. Uh, and then Selena Gomez was considered for the role of Jill. Okay. Uh, I could see that. Believe it or not. I could see Selena Gomez pulling this off. Well, I was going to say I couldn't, but then, like, I've seen her play psychotic roles in several things recently, so yes, I could. Yeah. Uh, Scout Scout Taylor Compton could have done it, too. I mean, she's, oh, yeah. she's good at, like, horror films. Uh, Jenna Coleman was considered for the role of Olivia Morris. That's that's kind of an odd one. I, I don't know if you know much about Jenna Coleman. She was uh, she was in Doctor Who for a bit there, and as uh, Daphne can tell you, she... A lot of fans don't like her character because, I mean, she started out fine, but then they kind of made her, like, too important in the Doctor Who's, like, history, kind of retconning things oh, to make I her, like, that. have more of a purpose. And um, she was kind of like a companion, as they call it, that, you know, the people who, the humans that, that basically board the TARDIS with the Doctor and fly around with him or whatever. She was one of those that was like, uh, the, I know it all. Like, the, even the, uh, though the Doctor had lived, like, over a thousand years by the time that he met her, uh, and he'd been all over the universe. Somehow this teacher from like rural Britain uh, always knew more than he did. Yeah. Jenna <laughs> Coleman's pretty fucking adorable. She is. She's she, she is one. Even people who didn't like her as a companion will admit she was one of the hottest companions, if nothing else. So, yeah, I mean, she's she's adorable, but she also looks like she could be psychotic, which is. <laughs> I don't know. I, I like it. But that's just uh, off of Kim looks. Rhodes. Kim Rhodes was considered for the role of Kate Roberts. That I I could have seen that. I think she would have done a good job. She would have done a good job. Yeah. Um, she already had that mom like, you know, uh, she was already kind of a mom figure, anyways. Yeah, especially after all those years on Supernatural. Yeah. At this point, that she would have been at that character. Uh, Gal Gadot and Gabriel uh, Gabrielle Union uh, auditioned for the role of Rebecca Walters before Alison Brie was cast. Hmm. Uh, it's so weird because the way that Alison Brie played it, obviously she comes from a comedy background. Like yeah. She played the characters kind of bumbling. Gal Gadot would have not had that same energy at all. Like, Gal Gadot, <laughs> also gorgeous woman, but she's always looked like a woman and she doesn't, uh, a mature woman, I'm not seeing it. Yeah, she wouldn't have had that, like, younger, mm-hmm. fresh-faced, like, character like no. uh, Allison did. Uh, our our favorite, Christina Ricci, actually did a screen test for the role of Deputy Judy Ooh, Hicks. Ooh, I would have loved that. Yeah, that would have been really good. And then uh, uh, Leah Shawcott uh, had uh, had one for Kirby Reed. She was... Uh, she was the actress. I mean, if, if you've seen the movie Final Girl, she was, like, the best friend to, like... Uh, uh, Tessa Farminga in that movie, but she was also uh, she she played in um, Arrested Development, 
she was uh, one of the characters. She was uh, with a daughter or the cousin to, to Michael Sarah's character in that in that film or that show. Yeah. Um. I wonder. I want to go back real quick to. I want. Okay. Why did. Why did Christina Ritchie not? She had a test, but what did it not work out? I guess like they just didn't decide to go with her, and which is sad. It's weird too because I'm. I want to say that she there was a movie that came out after this. Maybe it maybe it was before. She was in a um, a movie called Cursed. Now it was two thousand four, so that's mm-hmm. what it was. Hold on, I'm looking um, right now. And, uh, I'm try- I don't remember if that was. Uh, well, that that movie was produced by Kevin Williamson, so she had links to. Uh, to the the people who did this sort of movie, so I don't know why she never got it. Yeah, hold on, I'm looking. I don't see anything. What is happening with my chair right now? I, it feels like something's moving my chair, and it's freaking me the fuck out. Sorry, I'm like <laughs> like getting mad, like as if, if, if there was a spirit. And he's like, okay, well, I'm gonna back off. She's getting pissed. <laughs> I'm gonna stop because you're getting pissed. Yeah, yeah I am yeah, because it's it's a, like, it keeps moving and it's freaking me out. Um, oh, she was yeah, on a TV and, show and called Pan Am. Was, Cursed was directed by Wes Craven, and the writer was Kevin Williamson, the same people who screamed. So I don't know why she didn't get the role in Scream 5 or 4. Well, she had two things going on in 2011. I mean, granted, uh, she had Pan Am going on, which, I mean, that only lasted for a year. And then the Smurfs also in 2011. Uh, another uh, a movie I never heard of called Bucky Larson. Um, oh, that, that movie is ridiculous. Oh, yeah. God. Alpha and the Omega, which was in 2010. That was an animated film. Uh, hold on. Let me see if there's anything else. And that, so I would say her 2010, 2011 was pretty fucking busy. I wonder if it just couldn't work out schedule-wise. That would be the only thing I could think of because she had literally done a, a werewolf movie with both the writer and the director, uh, the same writer and director as the Scream movies. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, she had an in like a hundred percent that way. Holy shit. Okay. Uh, the role of the role of Chloe that was played by Kristen Bell and Rachel, uh, played by Anna Paquin were written for Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Oh no, I'm sorry. I love <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. Okay. And I know Paris Hilton had done, um, what was it? The wax museum? Uh, the house of wax house of wax. Okay. Now I have not heard any, heard anything bad about Paris Hilton in that movie. What say you? Uh, you've not heard anything bad about her in that movie? Yeah. Uh, the reason that I enjoy that movie is because she gets killed in that movie. Yes. No, no, no. I know that. I know she does, but I haven't heard anything about her having the worst acting or anything like that. Well, and I, no one said anything her, like she's the greatest. She was playing herself. Okay. So it was like, it was hard for her. I mean, she wasn't playing herself in the sense that she was literally playing Paris Hilton, but mm-hmm. she was playing a character very much inspired by Paris Hilton. Okay. So it was like, you know, it's hard not to be able to act when you're basically yourself. You yeah. Know? But anyways, no, in terms of the roles of Chloe uh, and Lindsay Lohan, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I wouldn't like to see her in a horror film. Has she been in a horror film? I don't think she, she has, have. but it's it's a very minor one. She plays, it's this movie uh, where she's trying to solve her own death. There's a twist there, but Ooh. like she's, uh, yeah, but like, yeah, she's supposedly, she's trying to find who killed her or okay. something in the movie. Well, I mean, that sounds interesting to me, but maybe not at this time, but definitely Lindsay Lohan mature and out of her wild stage now, 100%. <laughs> 
the outfit that Trevor uh, Nico Tortella wears in the final act of the movie is the same outfit that Neil Prescott wore in the final act of Scream. Trevor is also bound and gagged identical to Neil Prescott. Oh, wow. So they, they linked it back uh, yeah. at around one hour and five minutes. Uh, despite the unrealistic way deputy Perkins walks around after being stabbed in the head, this is actually medically accurate. Uh, director Wes Craven was watching a television special about a man who was stabbed in the head, just the way Perkins in the film was. And the man actually took himself to the hospital. I mean, I was buying it. Uh, first of <laughs> off, first of off, first of all, good job on the actor. Second, yeah. this is, coming straight off of the scene we saw where the guy had the nail in his head or the fucking, um, yeah, it was a nail, a rail nail, if you will. No, it wasn't. Are you a, talking about in Tucker and Dale? Not Tucker and Dale. Um, well, yeah, I guess that too. Uh, my bloody Valentine, the original, the 1986 one. There was a guy okay. that got, uh, something, a bolt in his head and his oh, yeah, yeah, vision yeah, was yeah, all yeah. blurry and yeah. everything. So that's exactly how I imagined him. In this case, where he was stabbed right in the middle of the head, and he's like, he his brain's just trying, it, it's trying, he's fighting fight or fight or flight, you know. Yeah, I, I know you're talking about yeah the uh, Anthony the Perkins, set, there we you go, know, minor or whatever. He was uh he was he had the bolts through the head, and he he stumbled his way back to the other people before he died. Yeah, uh, Anthony Anderson fucking sold that scene for sure. Oh yeah, he for sure did. Yeah. Uh, unlike nearly every other character in the franchise, the fate of Kirby was never confirmed. According to Wes Craven, the shooting script included a scene near the end where Kirby is revealed to have survived, but the scene was cut during production. Later on the DVD and Blu-ray commentary, Craven stated, as you can see, Hayden is still moving, not saying she's coming back for sure. Although Kirby did not appear in uh, Scream 2022, an Easter egg in the film confirms that she survived. There's a YouTube thumbnail that can be seen at one point reading interview with Woodsboro survivor Kirby Reed. Wow. <laughs> So Kirby is still alive, folks, uh, which means that she could come back in a later. If Panetteri wants to come back, she could technically come back in one of the sequels now. I bet you they'd make her a killer. <laughs> well, they, they might. I don't know. Uh, many fans of Scream 1996 have pointed out that although Tatum's death was a great set piece, here's where we're talking about the garage again. Mm -hmm. Uh, garage door motors are not strong enough to lift a person off the ground and have safety mechanisms in place to make her murder impossible. The opening sequence of this movie, however, has a garage door closing a victim and then rise again yes. uh, once the safety sensors are tripped. This is more akin to what would actually happen if one were to crush someone in a motorized garage door. I, or try to crush someone. I think it could have pulled her fat ass up. I'm buying the original <laughs> one, okay? And just kidding. She was not fat by any means. She was pretty fucking tiny. But the way that it fell and then, like, kill. <laughs> I just loved it, okay? <laughs> uh, a common criticism aimed at the sequels also is that Dewey Riley never once visibly mourns or acknowledges his sister's death. Uh, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson attempted to correct this by having a scene where a fellow officer tells Dewey that Jenny was crushed with a garage door uh, before her death, and it reminds Dewey of his sister's and of his sister's death. But that scene was ultimately cut from the film. Uh, but you can find it as deleted scene on the DVD and Blu-ray. Mm. Um, I'm gonna bring it around back downtown. Okay, I want to talk about this potential Kirby being still alive and potentially becoming the killer because. The reason all this keeps happening, they would have to get Nev Campbell on board, though, is because fucking Sydney's still alive. And maybe Kirby would think that if they could just get rid of Sydney, all of this would be fucking over. So she wants to kill Sydney to fucking end it. There we go. 
I am for hire. If anyone wants my movie idea, it's for sale. Well, you heard what it? if Sydney and then that chick who played fake Sydney in Stab Three uh, came back and they were both the the killers in one of the the sequels that are coming out? I don't like it. <laughs> no, there's so many possibilities. I'm just throwing out for the Kirby portion, but you are on to something for sure. But how would that involve Kirby? Well, I mean, they Kirby's got to- the intent, and then you have that one chick, and she's always wanted to, yeah. uh, you know. So that like way there's two killers. Kind of a little bit of a single white female thing going on where she yeah. wants to take over Sydney's life or something. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Anyways. Uh. That's what I was thinking. I, I, I really hope it's Stu that's back in the new one, but that's just me. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, this film was intended to be the first of a new trilogy, and pre-production for the fifth film had actually gone underway after this film's release, with the main cast of Campbell, Arquette, Cox, uh, Shelton, and Hayden Panettiere reprising the roles, with Kirby revealed to have survived. Unfortunately, with Wes Craven's death, combined with Scream, the TV series, serving as a franchise reboot, those plans were initially abandoned until Scream 2022 was made with everyone except Panettiere returning. Um, this is the first film in the franchise since Scream 1996 in which the killer is among uh, one of the ones oh, the yeah. pictured on the poster. Oh my god, hold on, hold on, stop. Wait a minute. Let's pull up Scream 6. I just want to see who's that. Well, I guess Scream 5, huh? So Scream 5, let's look at the poster. I'm not going to spoil anything. Hold on. It's no, I don't think so. Yep, both of the killers are on the Scream Five poster. Okay, so that means that Scream Six could have the killers on the poster too. That's interesting. Hold um, on, I'm looking at another Scream Five post, but I don't know if this is what. No, that's not right because that's Hayden Panettiere. She's not. No, that's not. No, that's not right. I'm sorry. I'm looking at other posters to see if there is because I don't know. It's hard to tell now what's a fan poster and what. No, I this think, is the IMBDB. So that's I think the all poster. the main posters just had like faces on. They they got really lazy with this series when it came to posters. Um, hold on. So in Scream Six, it's got there's a guy. There's two people at the very bottom. I can't really see them. Um. No, that's a TV show, but that looks like the movie poster, and I don't know. It's got mostly the originals, but it's got some people at the bottom. You can barely see their face. Oh, wait, here they are. Okay. Oh, he survived. Okay. Oh, yeah, I remember he survived at the end. Uh, They got some new kids. It's hard to tell, but there's some new people on there. Uh, Ghostface is in the center, so it's possible that he is in the poster, but as Ghostface only, if it's still. So, anyways. All righty. Uh, a treatment for an early version of the script would have had Jill actually get away with the murder she committed. Even though Sydney survived, she would have amnesia and not remember that Jill was one of the ghost faces. Uh, Kirby survived, too, with Hayden Panettiere reprising her role. Jill would have been targeted by a ghost face attack, with the implication being that they know she was one of the ghost faces. This ending was ultimately scrapped. I mean, I, w- I'm not gonna, I wouldn't have been disappointed with that. 
Um, it would have been hilarious if it would have been Hayden as Ghostface in that alternate ending. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to get back at Jill for what Jill did to her. Or if Hayden was framed, meaning because she was out of it, and if they kind of put the weapons near her and everything, mm-hmm. that'd be fucked up. There was a lot of people in that Scream 6 poster. Anyway. <laughs> I was like, what's, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people, and there's a lot of unknown people, too. Yep. Um, Jill Roberts uh, kills more victims in this movie than any other ghost faces. That includes Roman, who was a single ghost face yeah. uh, by himself. That's insane, because, yeah, he all the kills were him, and, I mean, well, well, not all of them. Some of them were Dewey, but, you know, <laughs> one of them. Uh Trevor, Jill's boyfriend, was originally meant to be Ghostface in early drafts of the, the script, but this idea was quickly vetoed after it was seen as too derivative of the first mm-hmm. film. And I did I think, think it was, was Trevor. Yeah, I did think it was Trevor at first. Like I said, as soon as the as soon as what's her name walked in and got in the car and they were like, Trevor called me, Trevor called me, you know, whatever was going on in that scene, I was like, Oh, it's her and Trevor. Uh, Kate Roberts was supposed to be a red herring in the original cut. After Olivia Morris is killed, Kate would step out of the house to look for Jill Roberts and tell Sydney that she was out code from uh, making a mistake with her medication, raising suspicion of her. This scene was ultimately deleted, along with numerous other scenes with Mary McDonald's Kate. Okay. Uh, and now we're on to the Death Holler Awards. So in this movie, we technically have two final girls in a roundabout sense. We have Jill and Sydney. <laughs> Shut Although up. Jill's, well, yeah, Jill's the killer, but like, you know, she's trying to set herself up as a final girl. Yeah, do you have this set up in the fifth one too? <laughs> uh the fifth one's not no, they're not trying to do that in the fifth one. Uh they're the it's they're just wanting they've got different motivations. We'll get to that in the yeah. fifth movie. That's not they're they're not trying to be the final girl in that one. Okay. Um I mean well what I mean, what do you think? I mean, obviously Jill's not, but like that's what she was trying to be, you know. It's hard because uh, I never ever bought Jill as the final girl. Or excuse me, as uh not the killer. Yeah, for you, you already had her, like, assumed to be, so yeah. there was nothing big about so that. So I was messed up, so I can't even pretend. <clears throat> uh, well, I mean, I guess, I'll, I'll say this, it would have been kind of cool that the whole time I thought she was Ghostface and she actually wasn't, so. I think this is the closest time that Sydney's came to dying in any of the films. Yeah. Because uh, they actually do the thing that most slashers do, and they have her in the hospital after, so. Yeah, um, they have her in the hospital. She gets fucked up in five, and we'll get to that. So, um, what do you think about the killers in this one, Jill and Charlie? <sighs> Boring. <laughs> I the, the I like- motivation to me was, I mean, I get the social media thing, and I do respect Kevin Williamson for for throwing that in there because it's not like it doesn't make sense. But it was like I was like. Ugh. I don't know. Maybe it was just because the delivery specifically by Jill that I was like, boring, you know? I don't know. I feel a different way. I I liked Jill. Now, Charlie was just dull. I mean, like, I didn't get anything out of him. But, like, I liked liked her whole, like, motivation. Like, it it seems like something. Maybe that's just me being an old man. Like, you know, get off my lawn and all that. Yeah. Like, I could see somebody who's, like, you know, 
younger, like millennial type, you know, it's like, I'm going to get fame. I'm, I'm going to like skirt the system no matter what it takes. So that means killing people. It ties, ties back to tragedy girls in a weird way, you yeah. know, because that's kind of the, the gist of that movie. I just feel like the um, family thing is old. And like I said, it's like, oh, that's her cousin. Oh, that's the killer. Because, like I said, it, it just, it followed it too hard. And they, like, didn't want to have, I forget what part of the trivia. You're like, well, it, it edged a little too close to the first film. Oh, yes, the boyfriend, Trevor. But yet they still yeah. did the family thing. And I'm like, well, this is this family's got a fucked up bloodline, you know? <laughs> It all goes back to Maureen Prescott. She was such a whore. And she came off, that thing all over town. At the end, she just came off like a whiny little brat that just, you know, a fame whore. I get that's how they're going to be. And I was just like, mm, is, I don't like it. So I, th- I think that's the reason I enjoyed it because yeah. he was taking the piss out of that character by making her such a whiny little, you know. And then even when she could have got away with it, when she hears that Sydney's alive and then she pulls that thing where she's just like, I'm going to go kill the bitch. It's like, well, you're obviously not getting out of it now because yeah. you're in a hospital. Like, how are you going to even attempt to, yeah. you know, make that look like it was, you know, that she died on her own? Yeah. Um, Best kills, defibrillator and then the gunshot. For me, just it's... Just point blank. Yeah. For me, it's the knife through the head. That that was pretty visceral. Yeah. But I still... I mean, any time that you go an alternate route in these movies, especially, that's not a knife. It's, you know, that's not a knife. Yeah. You know, it's, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, it's a defibrillator. Uh, yeah, that's I, true. I prefer that. I just liked his will to live. You know, and it was just so hard to watch that, like, oh, this has got to be the fucking worst. He wanted so hard to live, and he didn't. So that's why it was it for me. The only thing I'm not buying is that she was able to get that knife through his skull. I don't, I feel like if the knife's sharp, sharp enough, it doesn't take much. But yeah, there, she was a weakling. So yeah. there's that. Um, uh, best scream is probably Allison Bree. That's the one that I remember the most. I mean, Rebecca Walters. I mean, yeah. cause you know, the, the, none of the other ones really stood out to me. <laughs> I mean, the knife through the heads kind of, well, no, I guess not. Cause he didn't really give that much of a scream, you know? It was more of a surprise, like Yelp or something. Yeah. It wasn't really a scream. Yeah. So I don't think I can dispute that one. Yeah. Rebecca. Uh, the best killer motive. Uh, so Charlie in this one wants to be a hero in the movie of his life. And then Jill wants internet fame by being the traumatized final girl. Um, kudos to, to the inter- uh, semi-interesting change for Jill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charlie's, I just feel like was on the bottom end or whatever. He's like one step above, in my opinion, like Nancy Loomis. Yeah. He, again, I'm going to say it again. He had sad puppy syndrome. Um, I don't hate his motive, uh, because much like in the film, he was a nobody, and he wanted to be a somebody, but he yeah. just didn't have the chops, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets stabbed through the heart. And Jill just seems so jealous of Sydney, so I, I don't know, but it's a good motive. She, she was psycho. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's, you're if you're talking about, like, her motivation, like, she's... She's somewhere uh, above the, the, the mid-range. Like, she's, you know, maybe one step up, but we've not got the next movie to kind of pair it to, so yeah. we'll, we'll get to that when we get there. Uh, the Doom Prophet, uh, who was the expert in this movie that really knew about remakes? Was it Robbie? 
uh, he he talked a little bit about uh, no, or, and Kirby had a little bit of knowledge about like, mm-hmm. but she didn't she didn't really specify though like her. She was more like uh, her movie knowledge was more like it was brought up in different ways. Like it wasn't deliberately that. Like they went straight to whenever they were trying to get ideas for you know like what killers were doing. You know God reboots. They Sorry. they went to Robbie and Charlie in the in that sense. Yeah. Um. I don't know. No, I, I I can't even say Dewey because he, he knows. Is he going to be? He's not going to be the Doom Prophet, obviously, in every single one. But like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like we have a genuine one, even though no, we had this Randy. One, this one's a little bit harder to gauge because nobody really, it, nobody had a Randy moment in this one. Yeah, exactly. I don't feel like we had that. Um, I'm giving the best side character Kirby because, you know, if you look like Hayden Panettiere, but then like know all that stuff about horror films, but, you know, hundred percent, you're, you're cool shit. So yeah. there you go. <laughs> uh, dumbest moment is, uh, Kate Roberts <laughs> relaxing in front of the door with the, the mail slot. Like, seriously, it's like you, this killer's still there. Why the fuck would you, I mean, I know she wasn't thinking in that moment, but like, get the fuck away from the door. Undisputed. Like, yeah. And not only that, I mean, maybe they don't know, but I mean, have you not seen any of the stab movies? This killer can stab through doors. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I just, it's, and it's another moment where Sydney's like right there and like, you know, she sees somebody die, but this case, it's definitely not like scream two where she got the other person killed. The other person got themselves killed in this case. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the comparisons of tragedy girls. Like, I mean, I, I just think going back to that, I think it's interesting that, uh, Tragedy Girls kind of like took this plot, it seemed like a little bit, and kind of maneuvered it around and like made it even more of a thing where there's like not just one but two fame starved, you know, like uh, younger people trying to skirt this, you know, all the regular ways to to get money and, and fame and all that by just, you know, being victims, as it were. So, um, I just find that's an interesting, you know, comparison between the two of whenever I was like watching this, I was like, okay, that'd be an interesting one to compare it to. Yes. Uh, rounding this out, we're going to part five, the requel uh, from <laughs> 2022. Uh, tagline, it's always someone you know. It, al- um, it always fucking is. Ain't that the <laughs> goddamn truth? <laughs> Directed by Matt uh, Bettinelli Alpin and Tyler Gillette. Uh, written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick, based upon characters by Kevin Williamson. Uh, music by Brian Tyler. Made for a budget of $24 million, so uh, half the budget of Part 4, but it made $140 million. So this is back Ooh. up to original screen numbers. Yes, it is. Damn. And this is during a period whenever all the bullshit stuff was on uh, Disney was putting out there, especially. Yeah. Well, our box office numbers are smaller due to COVID. Um, well, first of all, it's two years since COVID, bitch. Yeah. Secondly, if Scream can come out and make that kind of numbers that they, you know, same kind of thing that they used to make back in the day, your movies just suck now. So yeah. you need to understand that. You need to bump those up because those are rookie numbers. Those are rookie numbers for sure. Uh, principal players in this, Melissa Barrera playing Sam Carpenter, who is our final girl in this movie. It's not Sydney. It's it's actually Sam because um, they are restarting in, in the franchise. Uh, she was in a movie called Bed Rest, and, uh, and she's known probably more for In the Heights. 
um, Jack Quaid, uh, coming back from Tragedy Girls, uh, has played Richie Kirsch, who is uh, Sam's boyfriend and Ghostface number one. Numero uno. Uh, Mickey Madison uh, plays Amber Freeman, uh, Tara's ex-best friend and Ghostface number two. Uh, and she was in a Quentin Tarantino film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I thought she looked familiar. <laughs> uh, Jenna Ortega plays Tara Carpenter, uh, Sam's little sister. And, of course, we've talked about Jenna already on Wednesday. Uh, she was also an ex, uh, which we will be covering at some point this season because it is a modern slasher and uh, set in the past, so it's weird that way. And then uh, Studio 666, and then, of course, she was in the Netflix show You. I did not know that. A uh, question uh, was Jenna Ortega, was she not a final girl? She technically is a final girl in a roundabout sense. So I, I would put her, although it's weird with this movie because they introduced the concept of final girls in a sense, but then like Sam's the one that they focus on more because yeah, I feel like, I feel like Tara's more of the, like, the impetus to, to, to make Sam like become the hero that she's, you know, supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I would, yeah, you're right. Tara would also be a final girl. Um, Nev Campbell, um, the original final girls back to Sydney Prescott. She's a married, she's married now and a mother of three. Fucking wild, um, which hold on. I want to point out right now, what kind of husband who is a cop, ex-cop, I don't know what he is at this point, lets her go to handle this shit or check on it. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Dempsey never once shows up no. the entire time that she's gone. <laughs> and, like, even if they couldn't afford Patrick Dempsey, okay, and they're like, uh, well, they didn't have to say she married him. They could have been like, oh, well, she married this rando, you know. Yeah, but they, but they, but Dewey Asker is like, how's Mark? So they, they, no, it yeah. is the same guy. No, I know that, but they, if they, couldn't afford him they, they could recast him yeah 100 percent recast him or i don't know anyways point being what the fuck dude he's gonna <laughs> stay home and handle the, oh you've got this babe you've survived fucking four movies already so you know patrick you got some splain in the dude yeah what the fuck <laughs> david arquette playing dewey riley again now he's a retired hermit and he's got chronic pain i bet uh, i guess all those i guess all those um that physical therapy he got in part four didn't, it must have, you know, it didn't take. So he's he's back to where he was. You get older and you fucking start falling apart. It happens. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sad, but it's true. Courtney Cox is back playing Gail Weathers. Uh, she's divorced, uh, both in reality yeah. from, <laughs> and, and in the movie, and then leads her own morning show. So Gail has made it finally. Um, Marley Shelton is back playing Sheriff Judy Hicks. The, she uh, finally upgraded from being a deputy, and now it's revealed that uh, she apparently had a kid during part four because now he's a high school senior. So there you go. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. And how far, what's the time frame between the two movies? Uh, yeah, 11, 11 years. years. So yeah. she had like a six, seven year old at the at that point, maybe eight year old. Yeah, a um, little bit of retcon there, they because it's never mentioned in the movie. But there you go. Uh, Jasmine Savoy Brown plays Mindy Meeks Martin, which is Randy's niece. Oh yeah, uh, Mason Mason Gooding is playing Chad Meeks Martin, which is Randy's nephew. 
uh, Kyle Gallner uh, plays Vince Schneider, who is an ex to live, and it turns out Stu's nephew. Wonderful. Uh, yeah, I and mean, Kyle's been in several horror movies. He was in one of the ones that we discussed from Shudder, the the one the one of the possession films or whatever that they have on there. I Pretty don't good like one it. at that. Uh, Dylan Manette uh, plays Wes Hicks, uh, Judy's son and Tara's friend. Uh, he's kind of got a little bit of the Randy vibe. He's pining after Tara a little bit. Uh, and then he's actually a member of the Wallows band because whenever I was doing research for this, like, and I looked on IMDb, it kept saying starred in Wallows video, number, whatever, number, yeah. whatever, like repeatedly. And I got to look and I was like, Oh, he's in the band. That's the reason he's in there. All their videos. Um, uh, Big, biggest thing that he's known for recently, though, is 13 Reasons Why, and then the, you know, uh, sequel that came after that. Uh, he was also in Don't Breathe, and then the movie Let Me In, uh, which is a pretty good vampire movie. Uh, Rob Fort- uh, Fortunato plays Deputy Clay. Tara's assigned protector. Uh, he's in the movie for, like, .01 seconds. <laughs> it's a dead body, basically. Uh, Son- Sonia Amar plays Liv McKenzie, a girlfriend of Chad Meeks Martin. Um, and I don't know. She's, she's kind of got some bitchy shit going on toward the end of the movie. I, I, I didn't really feel too bad when she died, which is unfortunate, but like she was giving all kinds of shit to Chad. Oh yeah. He really deserved at that point. Uh, and weirdly there's a bunch of cameos that are uncredited in this movie. Skeet, one of them is Skeet Ulrich is back as Billy Loomis cause he's hallucinations for Sam. And we'll get into that. Uh, Matthew Lillard, though, does the, his voice is overheard during a flamethrower sequence. Okay. Uh, Jamie Kennedy uh, is overheard at a party uh, uh, as Randy Meeks again. Uh, Heather Matarazzaro uh, uh, comes back as Martha Meeks. You can actually see her in the movie. She's back from part three, which is a nice little bit of continuity between the, the yeah. movies. Uh, Drew Barrymore is actually the voice of the principal now. That's so That's, funny. Uh, Talking about the curfew, which yeah. is hilarious, and then Adam Brody and Hayden Panettiere uh, have voices that they've that are in this movie. So they they brought. I mean, and Adam was a sheriff that died, so I don't know why, but their voices are in the movie at points. Uh, synopsis: It's been one week. I'm sorry, 25 years <laughs> since the original Woodsboro murders, and some enterprising killer is restarting the franchise. Uh, this time, the killer. S plural is intent on cashing in on the requel fad, uh, bring back the originals, kill them and restart the franchise with a fresh new faces for a new generation. The stakes are higher. The deaths are gorier and no one is safe. Don't see it alone. Um, which is not the best tagline, yep. but they, they had the perfect tagline by saying it's always someone, you know, so there you go. Yeah. There you are. Uh, body counts a little bit lower on this one. There's only eight. Ooh. Um, Vince Schneider gets stabbed in the neck by Ghostface Amber Freeman with a knife causing him to bleed out while Red Right right Hand is playing Uh, Sheriff Judy Hicks is stabbed eight times in the stomach by Ghostface uh, Amber Freeman with a knife that one I felt big time I mean I I know you hated this or you kind of hated Judy in the previous movie but like I felt real bad for her and like she was so worried for her son and then just to like get killed right on the doorsteps to her house. That's rough. Well, two things you need to know. I saw this movie before I saw part four. I'd just <laughs> seen part four a few weeks ago. Um, and I didn't realize for whatever fucking reason, did not realize that they were the same sheriff. 
So well, she was in a sheriff. She was a deputy. Yeah. Well, excuse one, me. Yeah. yeah, I didn't realize it was the same actress. Was not paying attention. <laughs> uh, Wes Hicks is stabbed through the throat uh, out the side of the neck by Ghostface. That one was rough too yes. because just how it, it stood right on him, like while it was happening. I'll give him credit for I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's skipping ahead a little bit. The kills in this, even though there's less of them, they are brutal. Mm-hmm. They are gory, and they are brutal in this they movie. Like they, they, they went back to the drawing board on the kills in this one. Uh, Deputy Clay has his throat slashed by Ghostface Amber Freeman with a knife off camera, although they show his body. Uh, Dewey is sadly leaving the franchise at this point because he is stabbed in the back and the stomach, by Amber Freeman with two knives and then killed uh, when Amber pulls the knives upwards and cuts his stomach open. Yes, that was when you knew uh, it was over. Yep. Uh, she does give him his due, though. She does say it's been an honor before yes. she leaves him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Liv McKenzie is shot in the head by Amber Freeman with a pistol, and that one was out of yeah. nowhere toward the end of the movie. It's just <laughs> like when Amber reveals herself, she's like, die, bitch, and then yeah. just blows her brains out. But really graphic. I mean, the blood splatter and everything gets the wall. They they really sold it. Uh, well, Richard and, hold on. You said Butler. You said she was kind of acting like a bitch towards the end. And you're right. She was. Her character was pissing me off. But people kept accusing her of being the killer. They did. And she and then she gave that line to uh, to Randy's niece saying, you know, it's like, well, what if I was the killer? Oh you yeah. Know? And like trying to hint, and it's like, oh, you fucking bitch. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Uh, Richard Richie Kirsch, uh, Ghostface number one, is stabbed through both cheeks, several times in the stomach and chest, throat slashed with Amber's knife, and then shot three times by Sam Carpenter and Loomis. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh, and then Amber Freeman, Ghostface, is shot repeatedly by Sidney Prescott and Gail Weathers Riley, set on fire with an oven stove light while covered in hand sanitizer, burning half of her face off and then shot in the eye by Tara Carpenter. And so Tara gets one of her kills before the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, they really, really took the killers out in this movie. Like there is no killer in any of the other movies that went through the shit that these two fuckwads did. So, yeah. I mean, like they all, it, it, the rule they always come back is shoot them in the fucking head, you know? Yeah. And, and they had to, I mean, that's what they had to do. Uh, Quotes, uh, Sidney Prescott, Sam, I want you to help us kill him. Yes. Sam, you want me to help you and the host of a morning show to commit murder? And then Gail's like, correct. And then Sidney's like, yep. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we want you to do. Verbatim. Uh, Wes Hicks, suspecting Dewey is the killer, you got stabbed a billion times, got dumped by your famous wife, and crawled into a bottle. I think it's safe to say you're on the suspect list. And then Dewey, Dewey responds back, well, maybe you're the killer because that cut deep. Oh, <laughs> it was a hard burn. Uh, Amber Freeman to Sam, it wouldn't work with just you, Sam, to Sydney. Uh, um, See what we had to bring the legacy characters back to make it matter. It can't have a bonafide Halloween without Jamie, Jamie Lee. Oh my God, I was dying at that one. Uh, Amber Freeman choking Gail. Time to pass the torch. Gail Riley, it's all yours, bitch. And then that's when she headbutts her and then sets her face on fire. I love that. Yeah, and then says, "Enjoy your torch." Um. Richie Kirsch, because nobody takes the true fans seriously. Not really. They just laugh at us. And why? Because we love something. We're just fucking joke to them. How can fandom be toxic? It's about love. You don't fucking understand. These movies are important to people. 
message folks that is that is the writers the uh, everybody involved basically saying uh yeah horror fans can be kind of um ridiculous sometimes and uh this is our response to that so here you go i want to put out a disclaimer that the hosts here at death holler do not want to create their own horror film in real life we would want to create a horror film but acting yes fully acting we appreciate the art that goes behind it and not the real life that inspires it we were not made for that kind of drama And then find, uh, and then another time, Tara Carpenter, badly burned and disfigured, uh, Amber uh, emerges from the kitchen screaming, charging, and then uh, that's when Tara responds back after she shoots her. I still prefer the Babadook. I did not catch that. <laughs> I'm so sad. Uh, and then ghost-faced, finally, to Dewey Riley, critically wounded. It's an honor, you know, like I said. So, because you got to give him his yeah. due before you take him out because he's lasted this long. He has been through some shit. You know, I'm not even going to pretend that I did not cry. That brought some tears to my eyes when that happened. And it's been an honor. Fuck you. That is the sweetest <laughs> and most asshole thing you could say at the same time. Like a sweet asshole. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of shitty, but at least Ghostface, you know, recognized his role in everything. So uh, visually, this movie is one of the better looking ones that's came out in years. Yeah, and it's um, not fair because it's like a newer film. You know, um, it's not about the money, as we can clearly tell, because more money was spent in some of the past movies. But it is about the technique and the skills that have been learned over the decades of creating horror films. Yeah, but I would say that the new right or the new directors and the definitely got with the right directors of photography or whatever they they really did make this movie as a love letter to Scream because I mean they they didn't half ass the visuals at least on that part of it. Yeah. Oh, the visuals by far the best. There, there's no undisputable. It's just the kills. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're more graphic and gory than the the movie has had in years. I mean, it's it's up there. I mean. Um, some would debate the story though. I don't know how you feel about that because I'm, I actually like portions of it, but there's a lot of people that were so pissed at the reveal that it was, uh, that, uh, it was Sam's boyfriend because they were like, because the movie even says at one point, Dewey looks at him and says, Oh, it's your boyfriend. Yeah. And then like, you know, and then he's like, what? No, it's like, you're fucking full of it. Old man. You know, you, you, uh, second, you know, act or, you know, you, you off brand, uh, Sam Elliott or whatever he says to him at that point. And it's just like, and then at the end of it, he tells Sam, he's like, Dewey told you who, uh, who the killer was, you stupid bitch. You know? Yeah. Um, um, I knew it was Jack Quaid immediately. I knew he was the killer immediately. Um, and I don't know why, because he had some of the best, like, like, um, I don't know, things to kind of cool the scene down where things are high tense. And he has a couple of things where he kind of brings it down the tension and the drama a little bit to make you feel comfortable. Um, he, he did it well. I will give you one scene and example. So when they're talking, uh, when it's Randy's niece talking about the films and blah, 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 and he's like, I'm going to go downstairs to get some beer because she tells him that's where the beer is. And she's like, you should never go down alone. And he's like, well, and he asked her if she wanted to go, but she didn't, you know, obviously. And then he's like, okay, well, I'll be right back. And then he's like, ah, <laughs> you know, and he points to her like not yeah, supposed to yeah, say he's that. Got kind of the stew moment going on. Yeah. yeah. So I loved that. And that kind of made me think for a minute, maybe it's not him. 
even though I was pretty, I don't know why I thought it was him. I think there was just too many close calls in the movies that it was like he was just, he always just happened to be there, but nothing really happened to him. Yeah, he and he always showed up like right after yes. an attack, like in all, you know. Yeah, so I kind of knew it was him. I was a little bit more surprised by Amber, um, more than anything. So, but as for the she was kind of she, she did a really good job of blending. We talked about that with Emma Roberts, but like I feel like it felt weird in this sense because I feel like Amber she she came out enough in the movie to kind of like, you know, try to throw shade at like, you know, Wes and some of the others. Yeah. But then like she would recede into the background well enough that you're like, Oh shit, I forgot she was still here. Yeah. I I agree with that. Um, I think that, um, the reveal wasn't my favorite at the part of the storyline because she kind of came off bratty. I like Jack Quaid's delivery a little bit better, but I am going to say this about the story. It was, a little bit refreshing aside from the fact that they used the boyfriend, uh, how they met and how they came about. It wasn't anybody related. It did just happen to be somebody that you knew. I'll tell you something else. That I, I don't disagree with any of that. I'm actually a fan of this movie. Uh, I know some people like, you know, shit on it when it came out. Of course that, that always happens with new movies. Uh, I think it's one of the better sequels that's came out in years. And one of the things that I love about this movie is the twist on the final girl. I, fucking love the fact that sam is like a pseudo slasher yeah ready i mean like she's fighting it because oh, yeah. you know she's got the hallucinations for from you know billy you know and then going on uh you can say what you want to about the visuals there but i i would i can excuse that even because somebody brought that up they're like it looks a little wonky when you focus on it too much you know the the aging they did on you know uh skeet but you got to remember it's an hallucination. So yeah. if it's like not perfect, that actually is a good thing, you know, yeah. because it wouldn't be. Um, and she, cause she didn't know him to begin with. All she has to go by is like images of him, you know, from the past. Like she never knew him. Uh, she keeps seeing him as he was in the original scream, but she would have never known that because, you know, she was conceived right before he went psycho. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell you I, something cause this movie it's hard to enjoy, and let me tell you why. I'm going to exclude three characters. Dewey, fucking Jennifer Ortega, and Jack Quaid. I said characters. I Now I'm going to exclude actors. We're just going to exclude those three people because the acting by everyone else was not the best at all. That includes Courtney Cox, and that includes, I think, Nev Campbell is just hired. I think she's just hired. <laughs> Nev Campbell, I think I've got this in the th- in notes here. Like this, they basically got her on loan. She was just like, if I have to, you know, pay me the money and I'll yeah. show up. You know, it's one of those things. Okay, where, and it makes sense. Um, but Sam is, I, I, I would almost agree with you, but I feel like Sam does do a decent job of showing concern for Jenna Ortega's character. Mm-hmm. She is playing like at the end of it. I do like her conflicted feelings because like she she has to give in to billy's like you know like become a killer thing in order like to use that power to oh you know to finish you know uh you know jack quaid's character off yeah so like there's enough facial acting there that i that i feel like that she sold the part but yeah she's one of the better of the worst i'm gonna say the niece and nephew i did not like Mm -mm. i didn't nope um uh, they are definitely not stand in for Jamie Kennedy whatsoever. 
they are not. They don't hold a candle. Uh, it's sad. Uh, Kyle Gallner didn't have anything to work with. I mean, he can act his ass off in most things, and he had this the 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 you know he he had a little bit of the uh, sketchy nature that he needed. You know, it's like you know the the kind of older guy that's like dating you know live uh, you know which is probably illegal. If yeah, we get right down to it. Uh, but he's just not in, he's in the movie for like two scenes, I feel like, and that's it. So yeah. he's not in it enough to really get much out of him. Um, so I will agree with you on the side actors, but it doesn't, it doesn't hold a candle like to the original where everybody either through sheer charisma or whatever was bringing it all it, but I feel like it's, it still beats part three because there was a lot of just like bullshit in that movie, like characters. Oh Yeah. That, blended in the background like jenny mccarthy's character like what was the point uh uh tyson fox that that character in the movie he just kind of he's there he's gone he's back again just to die i mean it's one of those things um i the the, the principals that were doing their part in this movie because uh david arquette this is the best acting i've oh, seen yeah. him ever do yeah period. and then he's done so it's like okay but then again that's how you want it to be you want it you'll kill it before it, it becomes dead itself you know just end it yeah. you know cut the ties rip off the band-aid i think that was uh great and poetic uh, yeah i mean because i think this movie could have definitely been better but it just felt like the actors were just kmart acting and which i'm gonna say this i've only seen previews and i don't feel like the previews give a ton away but i am gonna say that specifically um oh god why can't sam's character Jenna Ortega, already a good character, a good actress. So that, that's why I mm-hmm. removed her from the, hey, this is terrible, but these three people kind of, they held their own. Jenna Ortega, she's excluded from the the, the previews because we, Sam, definitely, her, her acting looks like it definitely improved already. Yeah, and I, and I hope it did because her, her character is the most interesting character yes. of all the ones in the movie. I mean, yeah. period. Um, I would go so, I mean, we'll get into that with awards, but I love a twist on the final girl thing. And the fact that they're working in the slasher potential in the final girl. Oh my God. Chef's kiss. Like that yeah. is the best idea that like anybody has came up with in recent years. It like, almost I mean, seems cheesy, but it works. I don't think that Noah really liked it. I think he was like, oh, this is so dumb. But I'm like, you know, you don't understand how, uh, this kind of mental illness can be. Uh, something that's hereditary. Well, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, because it's, you're, you have misfiring like neuroreceptors, meaning that there's like malformed like receptors in the brain that can very deliberately be passed on from like mm-hmm. one person to another. And like Billy 100%. could have grown up with that. And then he had some tragedies happen that just kind of, you know, you can't start a fire without a spark. And the spark was there, you know? Yeah, I mean, so, I, I agree with you, and I mean, even if you want to argue, well, it's they're making it overly dramatic. It's, it's a movie. They, it's not like I mean, if it was in a novel, then they could take their time, make it more subtle, make yeah. the way that she experienced it. But you've got to have a visual shorthand in a movie. It's got to be to where the audience can pick it up like that, run with it. Because if they can't, then they're confused. And so, yes, is it like maybe too on the nose to have her deliberately seeing Billy. Yeah, probably, but it works in a visual form because it's shorthand uh, to where the audience can pick it up instantly and say, okay, that's what we're dealing with. You know, that's what we got going on. Yeah. So kind of in a nutshell, it was, it was a better storyline for me. I did appreciate that much. I think it was to me, like I said, it was refreshing. Uh, the three main actors that I listed just 
they, as good as they were, couldn't hold the film up for me. It, it's so hard because I'm teetering. It's like I'm on a seesaw where, oh, my God, and then the kills were some of the best kills we've ever seen. But this acting fucking really drug it down. Like, it was hard to watch at some points. I, It took me two separate watches, months apart from each other, for me to finish this film because the first half, I could not even. <laughs> Um, going back to what you were saying about the acting, the the character, the actor who plays Wes, mm-hmm. he he's a weird one because like you have to really pay attention to him to get like the acting out of him because he's one of those actors that's like so subtle it almost seems like he's not acting. Yeah. Um, but like there there is stuff there. I mean, like it's it's more again, it's more like the actress who plays Sam. It's more in the face. It's it's you have to you have to put uh, a lot of work into seeing him like do his job. But he he does have. He he's a little, little bit above, you know, like the just the standard Kmart acting that's going on by I would say the the twins, if nothing else. Yeah. I mean, because uh, it's just that his is so subtle. It's like I mean, it's it doesn't stand out when you've got you know, uh, you know David Arquette like chewing up the scenes right next to him. You know, yeah. it's one of those things. <clears throat> but um, I can see that. I I when we go to rank these movies, like I'm really wavering between this one and four. Like there's I, I and it wouldn't even have been a contest before because I was just like you, like I've said m- many times. Uh, four is like okay, just another sequel, whatever. And this one, I was actually refreshed. I was like, you know, when I first when I saw it in theaters last, you know, this past year, I'm like. I kind of dig this. I'm ready for more screen movies. And I thought when I went to it, because my wife wanted to go, I was just like, oh, here we go. You know, it's going to be one of those. And we'll just, you know, but I was kind of surprised that the the way that they took it. And like, then whenever I went back and watched four, I was like, well, this is better than I imagined it or remember it being too. It's tough between those two movies because they both got their positives and negatives and they, they kind of teeter They're you know, as far as like which one's better than the other one, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to say about it, music-wise or anything else? We were kind of said the music yeah. is a little bit more memorable than part four, but that's not saying a whole lot. It still doesn't stand out like the original screen. Yeah, it's, it's not the same, so I really don't want to spend a tangent on music. <laughs> uh, so are we ready for trivia? I am ready for trivia. Uh, the fact that Dewey never mentioned his sister Tatum or her death was an oft-criticized aspect of the prior sequels, making it seem like she had been forgotten. Here we see that he still keeps her ashes on his mantle. So that's oh, okay. a nice little tie-in. Like all previous uh, four Scream films, Roger L. Jackson is actually on the phone with the characters as Ghostface. Wait, like all previous? Oh, okay. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, David Arquette, who is a certified Bob Ross painting instructor, taught several of the cast members how to paint like the legendary artist during filming breaks. That is fucking awesome. He's a certified Bob Ross painting instructor. What the fuck? Dude, I want that life. That that just fits David Arquette. Like I imagine him getting stoned off his Gordon and just like yeah. little trees. Yeah. See, this is where we hit the body. <laughs> and then going and watching wrestling afterward because yeah. he's real big oh, into he's wrestling. A huge too. wrestling fan, yeah. Uh, Nev Campbell was initially hesitant to return to the fan- franchise, especially in the new screen film that didn't feature Wes Craven as the director, uh, who would be unable to give Campbell and the new directors his blessing due to his death. Uh, what changed her mind was a letter sent to her by the two directors of this film where they wrote about how much Wes Craven and his films meant to them as filmmakers. Yeah, so that's I don't. Pretty cool. I mean, I understand, but they're not taking anything away from Wes Craven, I don't, I don't feel. 
And, and yeah, but it, well, the thing is, though, if you get somebody who doesn't appreciate what went on before, yeah, <clears throat> cough, cough, Halloween, yeah, <laughs> uh, you kind of get some shit. Uh, and I mean, with especially if any of the original characters come back, like their characterizations can be off, like they're not the story's not paying respect to where it, you know, like kind of like what three did, you know, it's like, you know, it's the characters don't even really resemble themselves to yeah. a certain extent, so. Um, in the original film, Sydney uses an online 911 emergency system to call for help. The scene was meant to show her typing her address, 34 Elm Street, but it was cut out for time. It wasn't until this film that an Elm Street in Woodsboro was seen, made canon and confirmed to be the street that Sydney grew up on. Elm Street is, of course, a reference to Nightmare on Elm Street. So, yeah, Sid grew up on Elm Street. That's fucking and- awesome. Uh, also. <laughs> I remember that online 911 system, and I don't remember that ever being a real thing. Uh, I don't remember it either. Could but you we imagine didn't how many pranks would have happened? What's that? Could you imagine how many pranks would have happened with that? Or, oh. like, <laughs> I'm imagining right now because it's all over the internet, or at least on my TikTok, those AI presidents. Oh, you know, yeah. Trump and all that, them call you know type it into that system. It's like you know, but using like today's lingo, it's like uh, my my nuts are on fire, no cap, yeah, you know, or whatever you know, just like shit like that. I just uh, that's what I'm imagining, like somebody doing that shit. Oh my god, like police officers, we're on our way. We're sending a patrol car right now. Say less, son. You know. <laughs> Uh, the meeting scene between Dewey and Gail Weathers uh, led to a lot of tears as the two actors who had been married and divorced in real life worked through the scene together. I remember they told us after one particular take, okay, that one was definitely not for the movie. That was for us. We'll get to the one that's for the movie. <gasps> and, they, and they were really working through some stuff, uh, James Vanderbilt said. Which is weird because it's like how, it, like, I don't feel like it was a reunion for them because they see each other they share a child together i mean i know they don't like you know they've never been estranged yeah but think about this in the movie dewey's meeting gail for the first time he it's like the the characters brought something in them out that they was probably fighting or wasn't willing to admit yeah i'm saying it's like it's it's like when couples therapy when they do that stuff where it's like put yourself in the role of you know whatever you know like so you can distance yourself but then like try to see it from the outside yeah I think by them acting through these characters that they that are like you know fake versions of themselves they were able to maybe work through some trauma or you know in the relationship that they didn't even know they had I wonder what his <laughs> wife thinks which by the way his wife is uh is Courtney Cox two point <laughs> He's got a type. What can you say? Yeah, it's a younger version of her. I mean, not identical, but pretty fucking close. That's got to be weird. Well, she bagged the guy shortly after she divorced him, so she can't say a whole lot. No, 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 100%. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm just talking about uh, his wife, David Arquette's wife, how she felt about Oh, it'd about be them. weird for her, mm-hmm. the fact that he's still, you know, having scenes like this with his ex-wife or whatever. Yeah, and them having to work through that together. To me, it'd be a little, I don't know. I, I'd be I'd be a little concerned. You'd be stabbing some folks. That's I, just admit Yes, it. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we had to go there, didn't we? <laughs> the framed photo of David Arquette and Courtney Cox uh, that Dewey had on his uh, mantel place is a real life one that was taken during their marriage. Oh, wow. 
the first two films feature flash cuts, shorts uh, or shots of uh, Ghostface acting menacing before the end credits. Here, there's a flash of Ghostface honorably wiping his blade with his head bowed in respectful fashion in honor of Wes Craven. Aww. That's pretty cool. Uh, this film was released on January 14th, 2022, uh, 25 years and 25 <gasps> days uh, from the release of the original film. That's insane. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Uh, some copies of the movie included a pre-show clip of Ghostface warning the audience against revealing the ending to others, threatening that we take ser- uh, spoilers dead seriously. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> David Arquette said he was excited to regrow his now famous mustache for his role as Dewey Riley. Does he need an excuse? He's an act. Oh, I guess maybe he, if he's an actor on a certain show or anything, I guess he can't. Yeah, but his his mustache was way better than this one. Like the yeah. one that he has in part one is so shitty. Like I was staring at, I was like, shave that off, dude. Like maybe I that, normally don't. Yeah. Think that, but like, but in this one, he had the he had the scruffy beard and he had a really decent mustache, and I'm like, that looks good on you. That should have been the look the entire time. I don't know why it wouldn't. Yeah. <clears throat> Uh, Dewey watches Gail as an uh, anchor for Good Morning America. Uh, before he turns the TV off, Gail signs off making a joke about how she hopes to never have bangs again. <laughs> and if and if she tries, someone should stop her. And, of course, this is referencing her hair from Part 3. Um, her hair in Part 4 and Part 5 is way better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> than what it, 3 was so bad. It's just so fucking bad. Uh, the two directors were big fans of Scream films long before being hired as directors of this film. Uh, they cite Wes Craven and Scream as the reason they started making horror films. They also very badly wanted to collaborate with Samara Weaving again as having worked with her on Ready or Not, but she was unavailable. Weaving will appear in Scream 6. Oh, fuck. Yes! Oh, God. So, that's so cool. That, I like that. <laughs> I bet she's going to be Ghostface. She, she is such a good actress though. Yeah. Like, I mean, she, I've loved everything I've seen her, uh, like in the, the babysitter, uh, one and two, the, you know, ready or not. Like that's another one. That's like a modern day scream queen. Like, okay, keep starring in them. Samara, you're doing great. Like, I, I love it. Uh, Nev Campbell didn't realize until after the fact that Sidney Prescott's husband in uh, scream 2025 or, or that he was actually in it as an Easter egg while speaking with screenwriter about a role in the film. Campbell's asked about the Mark Kincaid Easter egg. She revealed that someone just told me that yesterday yeah. and that I didn't realize it was that uh, I didn't realize it when I was saying it, uh, considering it's been 22 years since release of scream three and that the characters not appeared since then. This is not surprising though. She admitted that what's funny is I played Patrick's sister in Grey's anatomy in 2005. Weird. <laughs> I just want to point out, that also really important uh, from Scream 3 because Mark Kincaid, obviously, that's where we got him. But that's also where we get uh, Good Boy uh, Cherokee, <laughs> 100% certified, bona fide Good Boy, uh, who was played by two Golden Retrievers. Their names were Cosmos and Solar. <laughs> oh, my God. How come they weren't mentioned in this film? They're probably dead. It's been 22 years. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's been long enough. They probably, sadly, were no longer with us. That's uh. that's way to bring the, the room down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, the new cast members have all stated that uh, radio silence was extremely uh, secretive about the true ending of the film during the production to the point where none of the new cast knew the final outcome. As, uh, and it was likely done to avoid the leaks that have uh, afflicted uh, Scream 2 in 97. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, we knew that was going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, Dylan Mignette's reaction to seeing Ghostface was genuine as the filmmakers snuck the filmmakers snuck the killer into a take where he wasn't expected to be. Add in that Mignette hadn't seen the go- the, the Ghostface costume yet, and he was legitimately surprised in the moment. That's hella uh, funny. That's exactly what they would fucking do to me. Yeah, that's exactly what they would do to you. They would scare the shit out of you with that. Well, here's the thing. Am I supposed to survive in my zombie scene or am I supposed to live? Because what you're going to see is me screaming no and turning into a puddle on the floor. So how many retakes do you want? (laughs) Uh, Some of the best scenes, though, for a lot of these actors in these horror movies is the death scene. I mean, some of them are like... I, we talked about Crispin Glover. Like he was so excited the day that they were going to kill him with that corkscrew in Friday four. Oh it's my like, God. He, he was almost like a little puppy. It's like, can we do it? Can Is we do it? Happening? Can we kill me? You know? Oh my God. I would legitimately be crying and screaming if I were in a zombie death scene. I, I wouldn't be, it would be a total meltdown and it would be one take and they would love it. So you wouldn't go out like Captain Rhodes, uh, like a total badass, saying uh, choke on them or whatever. You'd be basically just like some blubbering mess. Oh, I'd be, be a whole of, blubbering yeah. mess. You, if I had any lines, you wouldn't be able to understand them. Uh, my makeup would be coming off. It would not. I would not be okay. <laughs> You'd be like Dave Franco. Uh, he goes out like a bitch in uh, oh, warm yeah. bodies. You'd be just like him in that scene. 100%. I can't walk through a Halloween horror night without screaming no at the top of my lungs when I think I'm going to get attacked. And that just makes them attack you all the more. So oh, they that's on love you. me. They love me in those. I'm a magnet, so... <laughs> Uh, the opening scene with Terry Carpenter getting a call and being attacked was filmed on both the first and the last days of the production thanks to COVID delays. At uh, the beginning of this scene, she's 17 years old. She turned 18 before <laughs> returning to finish the scene. They have nothing but praise for uh, General Ortega's performance and professionalism. She's damn good in the movie for her age. Like, she really is. Uh, she is, yes. And General Ortega, again, is the scream we get in the opening, the uh, disclaimer, if you will. Uh, where you hear the scream, you yeah, hear the scream shriek, or not shriek, but more like the violins, if you will, playing mm-hmm. right before they get attacked and her just screaming her guts out. Uh, yeah, that that's her. <laughs> At the very end of the film, when the title card appears uh, that reads for Wes in memory of the original director of the franchise, there's a sound bite of birds chirping. This is due to the fact that in his free time, Craven was an avid bird watcher and, and enthusiast. Oh, that's adorable. Uh, Hayden Panettiere was supposed to have a bigger cameo. Uh, Valela told the rap that the YouTube scene was initially going to be a clip of Rhea Johnson oh talking God. about making Stab 8 with Woodsboro's Survivor Kirby. This would have been a fun interaction and built on an earlier joke about fans' real-life reaction to uh, Johnson's divisive Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, although the filmmakers weren't able to get the pieces in place in time to make this happen, they still wanted Panettiere to have presence in Scream 2022, resulting in the Kirby photo and a touching voice cameo during the house party. Okay. Uh, in Scream 4, uh, Dewey was revealed to have recovered from the lamp. Um, 
from years of physical therapy. In this film, the limp is once again present, and he states that he has permanent nerve damage after having been stabbed nine times. Uh, the return of Dewey's limp could also be a result of his neglect for physical therapy after resigning from Woodsboro Police Department. Wow. So they they give a shitty reason why the limp's back, but yeah. uh, but they gave a shitty reason why it disappeared. So two negatives make a positive, I yeah, guess. I guess, yeah. Uh, a YouTube video with the title "Did the Ru- Did the Real uh, Life Stu Mocker Survive?" is glimpsed on a laptop screen. A reference to how often the idea of bringing back Matthew Lillard as Stu Mocker has been teased as a possibility in the series, despite his apparent death. In fact, an early draft of the screen three had him return as a killer, as we said uh, before all the the rewrites because of Columbine shootings. So. Oh yeah. Uh, and finally, as of this installment, the actors who played Tatum Riley and Stu Mocker and Stab were confirmed as having been Alicia Silverstone and Vince Vaughn oh my in God. the Stab movies. That's <laughs> I'm buying it. Stu... Vince Vaughn is Stu. That, that yeah. that's perfect. I love it. <laughs> uh, Death Holler Awards. What do you think about Sam and Tara as Final Girls? Uh, yes. Yes, yes, and yes. I Like I said, or excuse me, like you said, before I take credit away from you, uh, Sam having that psycho serial killer fucking vibe slash, you know, uh, microchip that is actually helping her in this sense, per se. I love it. And then, um, well, you know, Wednesday Adams is just a really good actress. Um, so, you know, she, she has, she definitely has the horror chops and she sold her role. You know, if they're making this a new trilogy and I'm just throwing this out there, Sam would completely go to the dark side if Tara was to get killed in part six. Oh yeah. I mean, she went to a dark place just killing what's his name? Uh, Jack Quaid's character. Yeah. Richie. Yeah. So I, I, if if Tara dies in this in part six, we could see Sam as the killer in part se- in, in part seven. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, there are no rules; they do not apply to the screen films. Well, especially now that they've done the requel, because now all the old rules are gone. Like they're totally starting a new franchise now. Yeah, in a sense. So, um, what do we think about these? Sli- oh, so I agree. I mean, as far as like those two final girls, I th- I think that's great, and 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 they are the perfect to what well, with at least with and then you said that the actress has gotten better so that's great but the twist with sam and then having jenna is like the other final girl i think that's that's a good passing the torch not this yeah with a hand bottle of hand sanitizer <laughs> and a stove but <laughs> that's a perfect passing the torch from nev campbell to a new generation like that's a good way to hand it off yeah um but what do you think about the slashers Richie, yes, Amber, no. I did not like Amber. And not even I that she was... I didn't like Amber at all. Yeah, it wasn't even that she was annoying or anything. It's just that I, I, the storyline, it was there. I just... I don't know. I, 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 it wasn't jiving. Yeah, Richie made sense. Like, Jack Quaid, actually, there's... there's the way that he's, like you said, it's so weird. Like, he's got that baby face that he can, like, you know con you and even though you it's like you do even said it's like he's the killer and it's like yeah yeah but it's he's it's jack quaid like he he couldn't harm an ant like yeah even when he's basically calling a whore basically saying you slept with the serial killer you know like first off she didn't know but second like he's calling her a whore and you're a fucking psycho 
Yeah, yeah. Well, the same thing that Billy did, you yeah. know, the original movie. Um, I don't know. It's I agree with you. I think Richie's the better of the two. They're they're not the best in the series by any means, but they're also not the worst. I mean, yeah. cough, cough, Roman. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the best kill. Um, I would say that um, when, when Amber gets all of the various things done to her is probably my favorite just because, A, she died, and, and I enjoyed seeing that, but also <laughs> she got her face burnt, she got shot, she was stabbed. I mean, it was pretty good, pretty yeah. good time. and the visuals on it were pretty legit, and then it looks like you added, you know, a, a thing about Dewey, and yeah, I, I'm 100% on board with you on that. Dewey's kill yeah, you got to give brutal. Dewey his credit in his scene. Well, oh, you felt it. You felt it in your soul. <laughs> yeah, well, and I mean, and it, it also, like, I mean, we talked about it before during the Alice Sweet Alice, but, like, there's, you see certain kills on screen and you can't really relate to the pain and stuff, like, you know, and that's why the director in that movie wanted somebody's foot to be stabbed because everybody knows foot pain. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like with Dewey, like, the way that they did it, like, you, it, even though it's like you can't really, I mean, you don't really know unless you've been through it, like what it means to get like stabbed in the gut. He, the way they, they filmed it, the way he, you know, acted it, uh, that actually, I mean, it, it, I felt it more than a lot of the other kills in the series. The only, the closest I can get to is having had two cesarean sections and I was the weird one that was walking hours after I was stitched together. Um, don't know why. I can't handle having children. I can handle having them removed from me <laughs> with very little painkillers after the procedure. But it does feel like, to me, it feels when when you're walking, it feels like you're you're going to rip open and your insides are going to fall out, kind of. It's a weird feeling. It, it's not painful, but weird. So that's the only thing I could relate it to. And, I mean, have you ever been punched in the sternum? Uh, yes. Yeah. So I was thinking that when I saw the knife go up, I was like, "Oh, like no." I think I probably empathize more with the back part of it <laughs> yeah. because anybody's ever had their back go out, and especially <laughs> after you get forty years old, like it happens just when you sneeze. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That, I thought of that. I'm like, "Oh, fuck!" Like, and also, like one time, I you know was at the gym and I lifted weight a little too many weights at one point in time, and whenever they dropped or whatever, I, I it was like a little bit of a you know, oh like, yeah, uh, and then I was like, "Oh shit, I'm, I'm stuck fucked. like this forever." <laughs> and it did, it didn't, and it didn't happen for like a day. But when it, when that swelling set in, Ooh. oh my god! So yeah, I, I felt the back stab, if nothing else. Like I was like, "Oh god, that that's bad." Um, um, you know, we're at that age where lifting weights can both hurt you and help you, because <laughs> thanks to Donnie G and his workout video he fixed my shoulder unintentionally (laughs) (laughs) well i mean and it's also a thing i mean even for women they they suggest like i mean that you know it's it's a worry that women have that they'll bulk up but i mean first of all like you don't have enough testosterone really bulk up i mean unless you're taking it and you're as a transition thing and then whatever have at it have fun but um but at the same time, uh, you need that, you know, like higher, you know, weights or whatever to kind of cause the bones to compress because yeah. when you do that, <clears throat> the bones have to grow back stronger. And osteoporosis tends to be an issue later on for a lot of women. You so. hear that, lady? If you don't use it, you'll lose it, okay? 
<laughs> yeah, just look at Madonna. She lost her face. <laughs> but it was well used before, so I don't know what happened there. Um, uh, best scream, Jenna Ortega. Oh, undisputed. Hands down. Yes. She I was mean... screaming so much in the beginning of that. And, like, I mean, they were, they, it was probably some of the best screams in the entire series, to be perfectly honest. It definitely was because when I was researching for our. Uh, death holler uh, opening, you know, the disclaimer, and we needed to find, you know, tender moments, uh, laughter, things like that. Freddy Krueger, obviously, we had to go with that. That was the best laughter, tender moment, Jason Voorhees. But when it came to Scream, I was looking for the Scream franchise, and it was not Drew Barrymore. I thought it was for sure it was going to be Drew Barrymore. But I found a YouTube clip that went through quite a few Screams, and when I came to Jenna Ortega, I was like, oh, my God, this is it. This is it right here. Yep. I mean, she... <laughs> She's a certified screen queen. Oh, I yes. Mean, <laughs> she earned it. Uh, best killer motive. Uh, Richie's motive is he wants to give real-life inspiration for a better stab sequel. And then Amber is a little bit, is about the same, but she also grew up in Stu Mocker's house and became obsessed with stab. And so she's got a little bit more motivation than than, than Richie does. I guess, yeah. Um, They're huge fans either way, you know? <sighs> It's it's a weird one. These are probably the they're not the dumbest motives in the series. I mean, mm-hmm. Romans is probably the worst. <laughs> yeah. Um, especially with the retcon. Nancy's is the most boring. Uh, Mickey's is kind of cool because he's like a, a you know psycho trying to, that it wants to be on trial so he can be you know like get his name out there. He does he doesn't want fame in the sense of that way. He just wants to be like known forever. You know. As yeah. A, like, as a big killer. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, Billy's was probably the best just because he, you know, had a personal thing with Sid or whatever. And that's what got everything started. We still don't know what Stu's was. He kind of, uh, it could have been the homosexual part that people have theorized. We don't really know. Um, this one's probably, I mean, I would say theirs is like slightly beneath, uh, Jill's because I think Jill's is kind of cool and it's own weird way making fun of that, you know, type of stuff. Whereas this is just like, you know, going back to the horror fan roots, but it's kind of like just kind of mediocre in a sense. Yeah. Uh, doom profit, uh, could be doing this one, but, uh, if you're going to go with an expert, the clear passing the torch in that sense was uh, Randy's niece. Like yes. she's she's the one that even sitting there reenacting the scene that Randy was reenacting. Yeah, know, going through it's like look behind you, they're behind you know, and yeah. then all that stuff. Realizing, oh my god, she was annoying. So I'm going to make her the annoying doom prophet. <laughs> she was. I didn't like her. I mean, I didn't hate her, but I, she just and it the acting was not great yeah her acting's not that great and uh, that's not... my that's my biggest issue with her as a character like she should have been like a standout because she was replacing randy and she just didn't get there at all and i am for the most part a simpleton when it comes to watching movies there's a lot of things that i miss there's, you know um clearly things i don't catch uh i don't catch every detail I'm not meticulous about that stuff. So I should not be able, a person like me should not be able to catch when acting is not good. Um, <laughs> it's, you should be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Does she get the honorary uh, Franklin Award? Yeah, it's bad and she should feel bad. <laughs> Her acting is bad um, and she should feel bad. Just like Zoidberg. Yes. <laughs> 
Uh, best side character, uh, to Billy Loomis hallucination. That's fucking cool. Oh, that's a good one. Because <laughs> I didn't like anybody else. So, yes, I'm with you on that one. And then the dumbest moment is Dewey looking at his phone before finishing off Ghostface. Like, D- Dewey yeah. has, if anybody in the movies is, like, seasoned enough that he should not have died the way that he did. Yeah, that's true. He had a Dean Winchester death. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like oh, oh, shit. Like, you know, vampire takes me out. You know, that's yeah. shit. Um, okay, rank the movies. How, I mean, I know one is clearly at the top. There's yeah. no way uh, otherwise. So you're not going to like my ratings, but they're mine. So leave me alone. Uh, one, two, five, four, and three. Two, five, four, and three. Not bad. I can't. That That's fine. Because um, I'm right there with you. I, I don't know where to put five and four. Uh, it's clearly one. Mm-hmm. Uh, is number one. Two is number two. I mean, it's the best sequel. Um, three is at the bottom, hands yes. down, will always be there. Um, and because it looks like six is, looks like it could be pretty good. Um, I don't know between five and four because I would have said four beneath five, but I, <clears> like I said, I went back on that. So I, I, I think I'm going to go with five with one, two, five, four, and three, like you did. I think I'm going to be there right where, but it's very close in five and four. There's like n- not a whole lot of, you know, difference there. Yeah. I feel like four to me was, uh, I thought you would have been four, five, three, four to me was uh same shit, different day in terms of the family drama. Um, I will tell you what put five for sure in its place, though, was the kill scenes. They they were the the most impressive um, of all of the films, realistically. They, yeah, they were. Um, what set what I finally decided just now, honestly, the reason I put five uh, just hedging out four. I, I love the I love the motive for Jill, but at the same time, having having your final girl have like slasher tendencies. It's mm-hmm. it's got to win out. Like yeah. that's awesome. It, it it is. Yep. I, I it really is. I didn't even think about that twist until you brought it up. So. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's I, I agree with you. So it wasn't that much of a, a bit. I mean, like I said, five and four. Any given day, I could probably switch the two of them. It just kind of depends. Yeah. Um. But hopefully six. I'm hoping the six comes in here and knocks our socks off and maybe like replaces both five and four and like moves them down the list. Well, because... it looks, yeah, it looks like the acting for Sam got better and I'm really stoked because I get to see it in 3D. I'm going to watch it in 3D because it's been since my bloody Valentine since I've got to watch one in 3D. Yeah, so and we'll... I haven't, I, I, I think the last film I've seen in 3D is A Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> God, and, and this was a special. This was like a, it was years after yeah. it was released, you know, and everything. So um, I want to, I want to say that's the last one I saw 3D. I don't know if there's another one in between. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm super excited for that. Yeah. I want to see that. I, I, I'm hoping that the acting's better and I, and the change of scenery is mm-hmm. going to be interesting because it's going, it's skipping coat. I mean, it's jumping all the way to the East coast. It's going to be New York from my understanding. Um, it's, it's going to get us out of like the, the typical. So that'll make it a little bit more fresh that way. Just having, you know, it's not going to be the standard. Like, I mean, I, there's kills like they can at that are on like a subway or something or, you know, like, or something like that. So, um, I'm looking forward to that to kind of see just a change in the setting. Um, have you seen the preview already? 
I've seen a little bit. Yeah, I think they played one before Cocaine Bear yes, or something that's like what that. I saw. Yeah. And the kills are vicious. Everyone well, in the way is going to die. If it's if it's by the same directors, I mean, they clearly mm-hmm. have got an eye for that. So yeah. that's going to be good. So that was pretty exciting. And the fact that you're in a big city, so you think you're going to be safe because you're surrounded by people. Again, I talked about Vegas being that way. And they're not safe. So I don't know what to expect from this. There's a lot more people on the poster, so I'm almost wondering if there's some kind of cult of some sort of ghost face killers. And if you have four or five ghost face, you're extra fucked. Yeah, if there's that many of them, that's going to be real bad. Yeah. So. We'll, we'll see how that goes when we have our special presentation here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's coming up here real soon. Uh, anything else you want to add about any of the Scream movies? Um, I thought that there was something that I wanted to add. I can't think of it at this time. I already talked about Good Boy Cherokee, so got that part out. Um, no, I, you know, I'm, you already know I, I have Scream burnout so bad, and it happens with these films, but I didn't have Friday the 13th burnout like this. I don't know why. Well, I can, I can tell you why that is. It's because Friday the 13th, it really ups and alters the kills so much that you can enjoy it that way. It's You're literally watching just people get stabbed with a knife in the Scream series. And if yeah. you watch them back to back to back, it's like it becomes so apparent. It's like, come on. Yeah. You know, so, um, and I felt like I honestly felt, even with the way that I rated the films, I did feel that they progressively got worse, but not in the same way. So, like, uh, you just can't compare to, to the first one. So, that one just is not included. Two was a little bad. Three got real bad. Four, I didn't like the storyline. Five, I liked it a little better, but I didn't like the acting. So, it just kind of got worse as it went further down although five obviously ended up right in the middle of our you know of our voting for where we place the films um so i'm just i have high hopes for six that being said even though i feel like the movies just kept getting worse over time you know i think that's i mean outside of the anomaly that was part three have been such a high box office return and that was i think because fans didn't realize what they were getting in three. Oh yeah for sure uh, before you know the damage was done i feel like that kind of fits with the uh box office returns though because i mean five really came back and like had this very similar box office turns to as the originals and i think that goes to show that i mean it had like word of mouth so i think people kind of feel the same way a lot of people that five is you know, again, not nothing's ever going to beat the original in that sense, but five is like a nice new step into something, you know, yeah, in the franchise. Yeah. Um, again, cause they, the, they pulled away from that storyline other than the boyfriend thing, obviously he had to find a way to get close to her. So it makes the most sense, you know, um, he didn't grow up with this. He didn't grow up with a chip on his shoulder. He just grew up a psycho. So it's a little bit different different um i don't know um i i'm just glad that even after the burnout that i am still kind of uh, a little stoked to see uh part six and my expectations are somewhere in the middle i don't have high expectations but i also don't have low expectations so really it could go either way 
Yeah, I, it's it's going to depend on the acting. It's going to depend on the kills. That's really what's going to be the saving grace for part six. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, acting looks like it got a little bit better. Kills already. It was just a small scene, too. And like I said, brutal. So. Yeah, and one other thing I was going to say is that, a lot, like I said, there were some people that were bitching about the uh, killers being a little too, um, a little too easy to figure out. Uh, and this one versus like the, uh, some of the others in the series, but, um, somebody pointed out that, that, you know, they feel like that's more of a meta commentary from the directors. It's like, you know, it's, it's, you don't have to have, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, them, them saying it's like, no, it's blatantly obvious who it is. And it, it was the entire movie. And that's kind of the point, you know, like yeah. it's, you know, we're, we're making a statement with that, you know? Yeah, but there's some things that kind of throw you off. Because, like I said, I thought Trevor was the killer in part four, and he wasn't. One of the killers, excuse me. I really thought he was going to be. Um, so there are things that can throw you off where he's, you know, the boyfriend. So it's like, oh, yeah, definitely going to be the boyfriend. And it wasn't. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, I mean, or uh, so how's things going and, and lean into it for the guys? How, what are we went up to on that? Well, the boys have. Okay, if you're following us on Death Holler, uh, I think you could find uh, – the, the the podcast formerly known as Blue Collar BS, <laughs> uh, as one of our who we follow, et cetera. You can go follow them, but then now they have an Instagram. And it's funny because I, I have to make fun of them because it looks like their podcast is called, is called Leanne to it. It's <laughs> lean, letter N, number two, it. It looks like Leanne to it. Uh, so anyways, if you want to follow Leanne to it, um, they have an Instagram now. I don't know that they have a Twitter, but they're following us on Death Holler. Everything on Death Holler, they're following us. And uh, these guys just, you know, kind of discuss your weekly bullshit going on around the world. Kind of like world news, a tiny bit of politics, uh, random facts about fucking, I don't know, street drugs, shit like that. I don't know. They talk about all kinds of bullshit. You'll hear my husband complain about me, too, if you want to. So go take a listen. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, they're on every Sunday night, which is funny because you and I had planned on recording last night. And I was like, ah, fuck, we can't do it. They're going to record a show. You know, completely forgot about that. It was it was fine anyways. It actually probably worked out for the best. That yeah. gave me like a day to just kind of like you know recenter on yeah. the, <laughs> and all this. Definitely needed it. So yeah, I catch the guys Sunday nights, uh, usually around eight p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, yeah, if you want to follow them, that's originally where Blue or excuse me, where um, we started as Death Holler. So we we had some and, weird beginnings. <laughs> yeah, but we started at the bottom. Now we're here. Now we're here, we're slightly above <laughs> the bottom. But we're 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 making progress. Yep. And with that, peace be with you. And with your spirit. <laughs>